Well, good afternoon, the sports animals back on in the PM. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here. And uh, what a day it was this morning. I was so stoked. I got up bright and early to uh, listen to the uh, Josh Pacheco and John Veneri. And then uh, follow up today at lunchtime with Kanoa Leahy and Billy Hull. Uh, all focused around Mountain West Media Days. A lot of these interviews that they had this morning are available at ESPNHonolulu.com. Just click on the Interviews tab. Uh, also on the Sideline Hawaii app as well. So uh, go ahead and uh, check that out. I see that my daughter is calling me while I'm on the air. I just... Okay. Well, <laughs> we, know, we, we know whose kids aren't listening to the radio. <laughs> She thought you were on in the morning, I guess. Somebody tell Courtney to leave a message. <laughs> it, oh, boy. It was interesting hearing the interviews today and just a lot of things that came through my mind. Is just one is just getting so excited for football. Now you can really say right around the corner. A week from today, the University of Hawaii will have their first practice, and that is always exciting. Just hearing Timmy Chang talking to the guys this morning, I mean, he used the word excitement so many times, which I think gets the fans excited. And I know they brought up, you know, wins and losses or, you know, what it's all about as well. But in the off season, this program is really, I think, captivated Hawaii. The fans are on board. Seem like the players are on board. And it's so different than it was in January. It's just really good to hear Timmy Chang reiterate that, as well as David Matlin this morning as well. Yeah. You know, with uh, <laughs> Timmy Chang, uh, the, 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 the brotherhood is, uh, has, uh, has caught fire here in Hawaii. I mean, it is a... It's more than fans. The Brotherhood is a movement. Apparently, with Mountain West uh, Football Conference voters, uh, it's not a movement with them. <laughs> Hawaii was picked to, uh, sixth behind UNLV. I think this is our lowest ranking by the media. This is media or coaches? This is media. Okay, no, the, this is the coaches, I think. This okay, is the coaches so this is, we had earlier. All right, this is the lowest it's, we've ever been picked. I don't think we've ever been picked behind UNLV. What does Coach Chang have to say about that? If you've got that ready, Keegan, go for it. You know, expected, right, when you lose as much production as uh, as we did through the transfer portal or graduation. Um, you know, so we got a lot of inexperience or guys that haven't proven themselves on the football field yet, but uh, but that's why you play. You know, I'm, I'm the same way, right? I'm, I'm, we're, we just talked about us being, you know, first timers here and so the only way we're going to get experiences is going through this process together so no different for these guys you know we got guys in that 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 the locker room that we think that can play now it's just getting their minds right understanding game plan understanding situations and then putting them in the best situation to succeed that was uh, coach chang with john veneri and josh pacheco at mountain west uh, conference media days you can catch the whole interview on our interviews tab at espn honolulu.com it's actually a good thing. I don't know if you ever want to be picked number one heading into a heading into a season when you haven't played anything yet. I mean, for some players, some student athletes, I don't think it really matters. But for others, maybe they get a little uh, lackadaisical. 
I mean, you look at Boise State or Fresno State. They were picked first in the division. Anytime either of those schools lose a game, it's going to be, I don't want to say maybe added pressure necessarily, but there's going to be scrutiny. There's going to be negative comments and questions. For Hawaii, if they lose a game, well, they were expected to lose. So all right. you can do is move up, and anytime you win a game, if you're Boise or Fresno, it's expected. For Hawaii, it's a bonus. Things are headed in the right direction. So I agree. I, I almost rather be picked last because the preseason polls, as we all, always say, don't mean a whole lot, but you can prove people wrong, which is something David Matlin even said this morning. Yeah, so that's a that and and um, again, most people don't pay any attention to it. We probably will never bring it up, you know, for the rest of the year. But it's just kind of interesting to see where people put people now. And since this is the first time, like Hawaii's, I'm guessing it's uh, that Hawaii's behind UNLV. What's so good about UNLV? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's more so that Hawaii has a new staff and lost so many key players that people automatically assume we're going to be at the bottom of the barrel. UNLV was really bad last year. They, they, they got their first win of the season a week before they beat Hawaii, and then they did well against Hawaii. Maybe people are basing it on that, that UNLV beat Hawaii in that game last year. I don't know what else it could be, and I'm not saying we're much better, if better than UNLV today. But I think those are the reasons why Hawaii was picked last. And I, yeah, I don't remember that ever happening. I wonder what it was like when June Jones took over off an 0-12 season what they were picked. But it matters at the end of the season, and hopefully Hawaii week after week in conference play will prove everybody wrong. All right. And uh, you can uh, chime in on the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. The um, In the different interviews, by the way, uh, they talked to Phil Steele. And Phil Steele will give his thoughts on the Mountain West Conference. Well, that's not available for some reason online, at least not yet. But we'll replay that for you if you missed it this morning. Uh, coming up in, a, oh, I don't know, about 13 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Now, for tomorrow morning's show with Veneri and Pacheco, the, uh, they're, going to be, um, they're going to be talking with uh, Fresno State's head coach, uh, Jeff Tedford, Brady Hoke from San Diego State, uh, Marcus, I thought it was Arroyo, but it might be pronounced. How did Phil Steele say it? I thought it was Arroyo. I thought I've heard that in the, the past. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of another coach. Anyway, so they're going to talk to UNLV's Marcus Arroyo. You remember, he used to be the Oregon um, offensive coordinator. He's UNLV's head coach now. Uh, San, and it says San Diego. San Jose State's Brent Brennan as well. So they have all the other head coaches on their radio program, and they'll probably have some UH players, Micah Vanterpool and Panay Pavihi, who are up there. And um, let's see, da, 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 Shevin Cordero. Yeah. Interesting. I'd like to hear what Shevin has to say. I wonder, you know, I, one of the yeah. reasons I think that your, your pick's so low is that not only are you losing uh, Calvin Turner and, and some of these guys, right? You're, you're losing offensive and uh, weapons, and you had a lot of guys just transfer out. I mean, you know, going to places like Oklahoma and UCLA, right? Yeah. Two future SEC schools, by the way. But anyway, you're, you're, you know, you're losing guys of that caliber. I think that's why they just went, gosh, their cupboard is absolutely bare. It's those guys type of guys, or it's because they lost their starting quarterback. And I think that's a big deal. To any program, I, I I do as well, and I mean I can understand that when you see about when you see Corey Bethley Muisau and Jonah Laulu 
going to those schools that you mentioned. Those are big losses, and we don't have a lot of experience back on defense. So, I mean, it's, I think almost, again, any team that has a brand-new coach that goes through a similar offseason, I'm not talking about the previous regime, but just losing players, that's going to happen. Uh, and, again, I hope they can surprise people. Now, on the other hand, they might have a tough year. We don't know, and I think we have said often that, you know, hopefully the fans will be patient with this team. I do think the attitude is really there. It's headed in the right direction. One thing Timmy said this morning I liked is that he said, you know, with these players on our team, I don't, we don't have to tell them anything twice. And maybe that's just a regular statement that doesn't mean much to some people, but to me it meant these guys are buying in, they're disciplined, they're organized, and they're just listening to the coaches. Sometimes that's not always the case. Ask Texas A&M <laughs> with their receiver today if he listened and bought in because he got arrested uh-huh. this morning and he's supposed to be at media day tomorrow. So for Hawaii, that was, again, simple statement, but that meant something to me hearing Timmy say that. <laughs> Matt Apata, if you're listening, please, it's it's you're depressing him. I'm just imagining oh. how nice it must be to have people where you only have to tell them something once. Oh. And I was thinking, you know, Matt Apano, if he was listening, can, uh, you know, relate to that. Because our staff, you only have to tell us once. <laughs> he says. <laughs> okay. No comment on that. But, again, that was, you know, maybe that doesn't mean a lot, but I, I, I like that statement. And one thing about Timmy Chang, I mean, some coaches will use coach speak. I don't think he's there yet, which is good. I don't really like coach speak when the Vanderbilt coach says we're going to be the best team in the country. Okay, that's coach speak. I think it's a bunch (laughs) of malarkey or a lot of other things I could say, but I know he's going to say that. Timmy's not going to say, hey, we're going to win the Mountain West, you know, the next couple of years. He's patient. He knows it's a process, and he's just going through everything, and it'll take time. I I like what he also said is that he hopes this is his last coaching job. You know, a lot of coaches probably say that. I believe Timmy when he says that, obviously, because he's from here. With other coaches, I didn't necessarily believe that. Like Coach Rolovich. Exactly, exactly. You can't blame him. can't blame him. But at the same time, never believe it. Although, if somebody comes along and says, hey, we want you to coach USC and we're going to pay you $10 million a year, it's like you don't want to leave. But you have to. Sure, sure. Especially with the amount of money. I don't know how much money, uh, Timmy, what his contract is for. But it's less than $500,000, isn't it? Yes, it is. That was funny. And when he was being interviewed this morning, he goes, uh, they asked him a question. He goes, well, that's above my pay grade at UH. And I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking you're the highest paid at UH. (laughs) (laughs) So in other words, he he couldn't make that decision or a comment on whatever the question was. But saying it's above my pay grade is not uh, quite accurate. That's coach speak a little bit, I guess. But he was he was Well, that's not here. coach speak. Everybody says that. Yes, well, you know, that's yeah, above no. my pay grade. Right. But uh, yeah, that, and that that actually came from the military, uh, years and years oh, really? ago. It's above my pay grade. But uh, yeah, I thought that was so funny when he did it. But anyway, uh, once again, you can catch the interviews at ESPNHonolulu.com. There's the interview with uh, Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson, uh, Athletics Director David Matlin, and Coach uh, Coach Timmy's on there as well. Um, one of the ones we didn't get to um, put on the website, as I mentioned earlier, is Phil Steele. And I'd be interested to see kind of what he's looking at when he's talking about um, when he's talking about the Mountain West Conference. And Craig Thompson, and through Media Days, has mentioned this. I think David Matlin did as well. And it's true. Uh, you know, I, I think the Mountain West Conference is the best group of five conference out there. And I'm putting up I'm putting up the Mountain West Conference against the AAC. I, I think it's a better football conference. They've they won more bowl games. 
Um, there's a bunch of different other reasons that you, you could say the Mountain West is better than the AAC this past year. I think it's close. I think it's a tough one. And look at the school. I mean, they had a team in the playoffs. I mean, that's a that Cincinnati. They, Cincinnati. Yeah, they were in the playoffs. right. But see, that's yeah. But I'm, I'm saying the conference as a whole, more yeah, bowl games, yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, if you go back two, three years, it would definitely be the AAC because of what Central Florida was doing, UCF with McKenzie sure. and Dillon. But that's, sure. a good, that's, a, that's a fair point. Craig Thompson also said he thinks that the Mountain West 12 are better than the Pac-12-10 without UCLA and USC. And I thought that was interesting. It's something to think about. Ooh. I don't think it's that far off, but that made me think as well. Hawaii, UNLV is better than – the teams in the Pac-12? The conference as a whole, the oh. 12 in the Mountain West are better than the 10 oh. remaining schools in the Pac-12 without UCLA and SC. That could be debated. Remember, they still yeah. have Oregon, and they still have, I mean, they have Oregon and Stanford. Utah. And, U- oh, yeah, Utah. Man, Utah's tough, especially defensively. Yeah, that's a little bit of, I, I, let's say that's a little bit of a stretch there. But, hey, yeah. you're the commissioner. Is, you're celebrating the Mountain West the next couple of days. You're in Las Vegas. That's how it goes. Yeah, it, just, it made me think, too. But, of course, I, I didn't find it unexpected to hear, unexpecting to hear something like that. But it did make me think. And it's a bold statement, but it shows the confidence he has as well. Yeah. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to hear from Phil Steele, do a little animal rewind uh, with their conversation with Josh and John this morning. Uh, also today, Major League Baseball All-Stars games. Uh, We've got more from the Mountain West Conference. James Harden's got a new contract. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's allowed to go now go seek a trade. (laughs) There's a lot going on locally, ESPY awards. There's a lot going locally and nationally. We'll get into it all this afternoon on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You know, Phil Steele, ever since uh, he was introduced to the market by Bobby Curran years and years ago, uh, he, he wouldn't do an interview with uh, anybody else. It was, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll do the Bobby, Bobby Curran show, and, 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 and that's it. And uh, I know Bobby, uh, you know, he's working on his health and hopefully coming back soon. And uh, I know that Bobby has created this great relationship with Phil Steele, and he was kind enough to stop by our table at Radio Row in Las Vegas to talk about the Mountain West Conference with Josh Pacheco and John Veneri. Let's uh, rewind this and listen back. Phil Steele, the Phil Steele, joining us uh, via our hotline. As uh, I know, everybody's been been getting you from uh, all sorts of different schools, all sorts of different conferences. Uh, Phil, I wanted to get your take on on how you see the Mountain West playing out. What do you, I mean? We saw the order of finish year projected from the conference with Boise State and Fresno State uh, representing the top of their respective divisions. Uh, how, do, how do you project the Mountain West playing out? You know, uh, almost like the media did. Uh, I've got Boise winning the Mountain Division, and uh, the media came up with its same analysis. I think when you look at Boise, they're going to be a much improved team this year under Andy Avalos. Almost every second-year coach will tell you. Uh, now, now they know the, the players inside and out. The players knew the system. They've got 17 returning starters coming back as well. doesn't hurt to have a guy like Hank Back, Bachmeyer at the quarterback position, a healthy George Halani, a running back. You know, Air Force is a team that's going to be tough to contend with. Uh, they've got a 15 returning starters, which for Air Force is a huge number. They also have got a, a quarterback in Hazik Daniels back, and uh, they're going to be a big-time threat to Boise uh, in that uh division i should say and then utah state i've got coming in third and uh they were 
And they, of course, won the division last year. This year, when you look at uh, Utah State, they lost some talent from last year, but they still got Logan Bonner coming back. They were fairly fortunate, I would say, their first five games, getting a lot of late comeback wins. But they're a much better team at the end of the year, and Blake Anderson will have them playing well. And if you're looking for a surprise team in that division, I like Colorado State. Gene Norvell brought over a bunch of Nevada players with them, and uh, I think they're going to fare much better than expected. And on the, in the other division, I mean, you got to look at Fresno State, my favorite and the media's favorite. Uh, 15 returning starters coming back for Jeff Tedford. Great talking to Coach Tedford again after he uh, took a step away for a year or two. I think that's a big-time plus. San Diego State is a team that was angry they didn't win the uh, Mountain West overall. They've got a lot of talent coming back and are probably the main competitor. And that's why the media, uh, I think rightfully so, has those two with the only two first-place votes in the West. I think it is a battle between Fresno and San Diego State. Of course, Fresno gets that key game at home this year. Is this, uh, I mean, the, the media had six different teams with at least one first-place vote. When you look at the competitiveness of this conference, do you feel like the conference has gotten more competitive here over the last few years where it's, it's not Boise and everybody else like it used to be, but you've got some good competition, especially at the top? Yeah, absolutely. And all seven of those teams that received a first-place vote, you can also sneak San Jose State in there. I'm not going to discount Brent Brennan's team. Remember, they won the Mountain West two years ago. They slipped to 5-7 and seven last year, but they've got a pretty good team coming back. So I would say this year there are probably seven teams that would have a shot at winning the Mountain West Conference. So I do like how they are very competitive at the top. And, it, frankly, it was tough coming up with the division winners. I mean, the Air Force hosts Boise this year, uh, which gives them a clear-cut threat. And, as I mentioned, maybe one of the key factors for me picking Fresno over San Diego State was they get that game at home. Let's talk a little bit about Hawaii. Uh, medium ha- uh, media has them sixth. Uh, what do you see? It's, it's obviously tough with a, with a new head coach. There's a, there's a lot of transition from last year to this year. Uh, how, do, how, do, how difficult does that make it to, to project this Hawaii team? Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, when you look at Hawaii, uh, only having six returning starters, the fewest in the league, first-year head coach, you know, he has to learn the strengths and weaknesses of players, players have to learn new schemes, uh, doesn't really have his first recruiting class coming in. Generally, that first recruiting class is a hodgepodge of the old coach and the new coach and what you can put together. It generally is a rebuilding year, and it looks like that for Hawaii this year. Uh, you know, I, I look at the, the different positions. None of them rank in my top units in the front of the magazine, which is in the top units, whereas they've had units that have ranked there uh, in past years. So I think this is going to be a, an extremely tough transition for Timmy Chang coming in. Keep in mind, uh, you know, they didn't let Todd Graham go until January. General coaches are let go in December. you got a little more run-up to the, the season. And, uh, you know, with the, the home field edge being what it is, uh, I think it's going to be a rebuilding year for Hawaii this year. We're talking with Phil Steele. Uh, his college football guide is uh, is our Bible as we go right into the college football season. Um, I'm, I'm looking at, at players offensively because, uh, you know, at Hawaii, we've always paid so much attention to offense. Um, but when I look around this conference, is there a better one-two combination that you see in the Mountain West than what Fresno State has at quarterback and wide receiver with Hainer coming back and, and of course, Cropper as well? Yeah, I think you hit that uh, directly on the head. And, and thank goodness, you know, Coach Tedford took over because it looked like Hainer, excuse me, it looked like Hainer was going to head to um, Washington. Uh, and he's thrown to my number seven receiving core overall, not just Jalen Cropper, but they had in a, a Nico Romigio coming in from California. 
Josh Kelly is a guy that's got really good hands and a really athletic player. Zane Pope, Ty Jones, a couple of guys with starting experience. Uh, they've got some good tight ends as well, guys with starting experience. It's probably one of the most experienced receiving cores in the country with all the guys that have starting experience. And then having a guy like Jake Hainer to throw him to football, that's a big plus. Lastly, you mentioned San Jose State is an interesting team to watch uh, in this conference. And, of course, Chevin Cordero, former Hawaii quarterback, now over at San Jose State. And while Brent Brennan, their head coach, hasn't named a starting quarterback just yet, how do you think that makes an impact in, in what they are offensively? Uh, I think it's big to have a quarterback. But keep in mind, if Cordell takes over, you still have Nick Nash, an excellent runner to, to use in uh, different things. But, uh, when I talked to Coach Brennan going over the team with him, he felt really good about the quarterback room and feels that all three of the top guys can play for him. And that's always a good thing to have, that kind of depth, because you know you're going to need more than one quarterback during the course of the season. And to me, the strength of San Jose this year is actually the defensive line. I rate them number 18 in the country. Remember two years ago, they were absolutely dominant. I thought this, you know they had a losing record last year, so a lot of folks didn't look at them as dominant last year. But they were pretty close, and I, I think they have one of the best defensive lines in the country. I make, rank them as my uh, number eight most improved team in the country, so I think they go from a losing record to a bowl. Uh, real quick, and Full Steel joining us, uh, his college football preview, uh, get it wherever you get your college football previews. Uh, real quick, looking at the top of, of college football, is there a team that will surprise people in the top ten You know, outside of who we usually talk about? Is there a team like that that you see? Uh, I think the team that's got the biggest chance to surprise anybody this year would be Utah. And when I look at Utah, they're strong at the line of scrimmage, both offensive line and defensive line, as they are every year under Coach Whittingham. But they've got their quarterback back last year, and they were a different team at quarterback, uh, you know, once he took over. And then you look at the running back core, extremely deep. The linebackers are solid. The DBs are solid. So with the top ten defense, uh, Cam Rising leading the offense at the quarterback position, uh, this is a team that I've got favored in all their games, with the exception of Oregon, which I have a toss-up at the end of the year. But remember, last year they beat Oregon 38-10 to and 38-7. Uh, to If Utah runs the table, the Pac-12, despite all the troubles that are going on right now with the Pac-12, could very well have the team make the playoff, and I don't think anybody's expecting that. Phil Steele, uh, make sure you get his college football preview. You are good to us uh, every year right around this time. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, thank you. A lot of fun talking football with you, and uh, thanks for taking me to the uh, the beach here in Hawaii with the palm trees. <laughs> well, someone's there except for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Phil. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, that's Phil Steele. So that was on the phone. He wasn't <laughs> there, actually. Okay, I, I was I, I, during that interview. I, I tells uh, I. I I told, say to uh, Keegan and Gary, I'm like, it sounds like he's on the phone. I, I for some reason I just figured everyone's stopping by Radio Row. Anyway, uh, very interesting comments about uh, San Jose State. I mean, remember, when you talk about their defense and that guy, I, mean, I think this is, this is an NFL-type player, uh, Viliami Fehoko. Yes. Not to be confused with Vili, the warrior. Uh, no relation. Maybe they're related somehow. But uh, anyway, uh, defensive end, he's just a junior. My gosh. One of these guys going to graduate. Chevin Cordero, you remember, is just a junior. Now, in some of these preseason magazines, they have Chevin Cordero as the starter for San Jose State. Nick Nash was the starter for most of the games last year. Before that, it was a guy named Nick Starkle. 
Um, and for whatever reason, they're five and seven last year. But Nick, see, Nick Starkle, when they won the uh, Mountain West in 2020, he was a starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He so came now from he's, Arkansas and Texas A&M, I believe, as well. Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas, I know Arkansas. Okay. I know he came from Ar- Arkansas. But okay, so he's not around anymore. I'm guessing. So that's why Cordero's got to win the starting job from Nick Nash. Now, right. Nick Nash is, is a, a really good runner. Phil Steele says, but you should mention that Chevin Cordero's a really good runner as well. Chevin, remember, Chevin Cordero was the leading rusher on the on the football team. Yeah, Chevin right. Cordero's leg, I mean, that's what we're going to miss most. I don't know that we miss Chevin Cordero as a passer, but I sure miss Chevin Cordero as a runner on designed runs and on ad-libbing uh, out there. Chevin Cordero was very good. I think that's what we're going to need in this up-tempo run-and-shoot, or I can't remember what our offense is called, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think we're going to need a quarterback's legs. If you're going to go with some kind of RPO slash run and shoot slash whatever, you, you need, I think, in college football, period, I think you need a guy who's athletic. I, I mean, not not many teams can get by with a, a, just a drop-back passer unless the drop-back passer is Arch Manning. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder how that how much that's going to come into play in the first few weeks of camp as far as naming a starter. That's what we heard for Hawaii after two weeks. They hope to have a depth chart, especially at quarterback, to figure out who the starter is because right now it's an open competition. Shager didn't really show a lot in his running last year but had a decent arm. The other quarterbacks, I mean, even the guys that were here last year in the spring game like Jake Farrell, good arm. I don't remember seeing him run in the uh, game. Cam Cooper, I'm not sure about him. And, of course, Joey Yellen from Pitt will find out about that. But for Shevin, it'll be something, I, something to see how he does with San Jose State and not guaranteed the starting spot. Call me crazy. And, Keegan, if you're back in the studio, you can reconfirm this. We, uh, Our digital media team uh, put something out on Instagram last week, and they had a list of the fastest Rainbow Warriors. They're like the ten fastest guys. Cameron Cooper was on that list, wasn't he? Wow. Okay, we we can confirm that. So, hey, you know what? That's that, that is, doesn't look it, but he is. Yeah. Just and uh, anyway, follow us on Instagram. You can just uh, kind of look through the old posts and uh, check that out for yourself. Tenth place. So the tenth fastest guy on the team is Cameron Cooper. That's pretty good. Cole McDonald, you remember, I believe, was the fastest. Even though you had speedsters on the team in a straight line running a 40-yard or 100-yard dash, whatever it was, Cole McDonald was the fastest player on the team. I don't, you don't need fast if you're going to be a quarterback, uh, a, a running quarterback. You know, uh, Lamar Jackson, very fast. The um, Michael Vick, very fast. Uh, the guy for the Cardinals, why Kyler am I going Murray. blank? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, very fast. Fran Tarkenton, not so fast, but the guy could run. You can always cut tune into the sports animals, and for some reason, they <laughs> go back to bashing Fran Tarkenton. Like, that's incredible. There's a show I'd like to see on Hulu. Not. It's 332 with the animals uh, here on ESPN Honolulu. More from Mountain West Conference Media Days. Also, uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game and, uh, and uh, a lot more all coming up here. Remember to tune in 
Don't touch that dial. Josh Pacheco and John Paneri. Paneri. He's, like, it's, it's, <laughs> He's a new guy. He's a new guy. John Paneri's cousin, John Paneri. <laughs> Is going to be, he's going to be, uh, they're on the radio tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 for day two of Mountain West Conference Media Days. they got a whole lineup of great guests lined up already, basically all the top coaches in Mountain West Conference football and some players as well, including uh, Hawaii's players. So 6 to 9 a.m. here on ESPN Honolulu and ESPNHonolulu.com. Listening to Phil Steele earlier, he was saying that, um, hey, Colorado might be a surprise. State. Remember, they Colorado State. Colorado State might be a surprise because they had a lot of guys, because tra- the, the Nevada coach is coaching at Colorado, and that's where Timmy Chang was going to buy a house or actually was in escrow or something before he came to Hawaii. Anyway, so they get, uh, they get their coach, and they got a bunch of players following them over from Nevada to Colorado State. Now, traditionally, Nevada is a better football program than Colorado State. So he's saying that Colorado State, a bunch of guys jumped ship to go to Colorado State. That could be a surprise. So why is Nevada still ranked where they are? Maybe that's why they're at number four and not higher in the West Division. Or where where are they ranked in the uh, the poll there? Fourth, fourth. So the, they're ranked. Maybe they're, maybe that's a, a low ranking for Nevada. Who knows? It's barely but ahead it's, of UNLV. It's eight votes ahead of them. Not much ahead of them at five. So that's why. And I think also a lot of these programs, it's a brand new head coach, and you know. But there are more. I mean, you have a brand new head coach at Colorado State, brand new head coach at Nevada. You got a two year head coach at UNLV, right? Hawaii's got a brand new coach. Air Force will never have a brand new coach, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing with what Phil Steele said about Fresno State, and uh, Sammy agreed with everybody that Fresno State should win the West Division, and he kept saying Jake Hayner, which is what we've heard and read everywhere. Didn't yeah. we hear a similar comment or more than a few similar comments last year with Nevada and Carson Strong? Carson Strong, NFL-ready, best quarterback in the conference, top five in the country going into the season, top ten uh-huh. on some list. And I'm not uh-huh. saying he was bad, but just because a guy has the most experience and has good attributes and good numbers doesn't necessarily mean their team's going to be a winner. And I'm not saying that Fresno won't, but Nevada wasn't last year. Josh Allen would be an example of that, coming off of his junior year, going into his senior year. Now, it didn't mean Josh Allen was junk. I mean, he's favored to win the Super Bowl this year by many. But his team wasn't. And he didn't have the numbers his senior year than he did his junior year, you'll remember. And yeah. the NFL didn't care. They said, look at this guy's arm. Look at his size. Look at his athletic ability. We're drafting him. And it took him a couple of years to, to get it going. Now he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And I'm not putting but down- that's a, But that's an example of, sorry, that's an example of, you know, what you're just talking about. And we saw Jake Hayner up close last year. Oh, yeah, they lost that game to a backup quarterback, to a team that wasn't expected to win. We weren't the favorite in that game. And I'm not basing it on just that one game. I know Jake Hayner came from Oregon, uh, Washington, I believe, actually. You know, good skill set and everything. But I keep hearing that Fresno is the best team, and they got uh, running back. Well, they don't have Ronnie Rivers anymore, but they got 15 returning starters. And uh-huh. they're supposed to be good. But, again, not so much about the preseason polls, not exactly matching the postseason standing. Right. But I, I take a little bit of a, a pause on Fresno State being that great. 
mainly because they've got a returning coach who's good and a returning a returning quarterback who is probably the most experienced and best quarterback stat-wise in the conference who is back. Hank Bachmeyer, I don't believe, had great numbers last year. Boise State wasn't the division champion. Shevin had decent numbers, but not the best. So maybe almost by default, people are saying Fresno State's the best team and they're going to win. Uh, let's just see about that. Let's see if Hawaii can upset them for the third year in a row and what happens then. And I'm not going to guarantee that or predict it necessarily. It's just an example on preseason predictions being based on things that might not be as important or relevant the following year. Okay, I'm going to just, uh, from a preseason magazine, uh, here's what they say. The good, they have the, <laughs> this is Lindy's. I, Lindy's or Athlon, I don't know what I have. Anyway, it says uh, they have the good news, bad news, and their overall thought on each team in the Mountain West. It's very short. Uh, good news, Fresno State returns the league's best offensive personnel and has impact defensive returners. The bad news uh, their line is uh, somewhat questionable and must adjust to a new coaching staff. And then uh, they say Fresno State has the Mountain West's best returning roster, and it's the West Division's biggest favorite. So it's basically they've got the best roster as a whole coming back. That's what people must think. Right, but did they say they have a new coaching staff at Fresno? Maybe it's a new offensive line. Who okay, knows? Okay, okay. Uh, because that doesn't make sense, I know. Right. And, and, and again, last year you look at Fresno State. You know they were good. They were they were six and two in the conference and ten and three overall. But one of those losses was to Hawaii. And I just go back to the Carson Strong analogy. And, and they do make it. They do make a. They do make an excuse for that. They just say it was a. Look at all these great games that Fresno does, but it was just a fourth quarter collapse against Hawaii. <laughs> oh yeah, thank. They you had for a fourth that. quarter collapse. They were really good for three quarters, and then they had a fourth quarter collapse. Hawaii didn't beat them. They lost to Hawaii because they had a little fourth quarter call. Not going to happen to anybody. Sorry. Yeah, sure. I've heard things like that before. I, again, I don't even know if Carson Strong was even drafted. If he was, it was really late. I believe he's with Philadelphia now. And I know, again, Hayner is good. But I, you know there's going to be surprises in these predictions. You know it's not going to go according to chalk. It just never does. And I, I said this the other morning. And I'm not going to – again, I think Hawaii, they have nowhere to go but up. People are expecting – the least out of them as far as any team except for maybe New Mexico. And I'm sure UNLV and Hawaii are considered close to the other teams. Uh, but if you get a win or two that you're not supposed to, we say that every year. And Hawaii did do it last year. They did it against Fresno. Unfortunately, they didn't get some of the wins they were supposed to get maybe against the UNLV or at San Jose that was missing a couple of players in that game. But who's to say they can't surprise a few people? And, you know, I'd be happy if they go to a bowl game. I know you and I said that the other day where ESPN computers picked Hawaii at 7-6. and six. I would take that right now. I think even 6-7 and seven would be a pretty big accomplishment in year one, depending on how the games play out. Yeah, uh, but, you I, know, I, I, when you when you talk about a new a f, uh, brand new coaching staff, a first time ever head coach, and six returning starters, I'm happy with five wins. Five, you know what? I, I don't I, I don't want to you know us talking about. We brought that up about the bowl games, and we brought that up because it was kind of a fun fact. But I hope people aren't going. Hey, we should be seven and six this year. Got to remember what we're coming back with. A whole lot of nothing. You know what I think could be an advantage for Hawaii? I'm not sure if this has been brought up a lot. Timmy Chang coached against all these schools before. He knows the Mountain West as well as anybody. And for other new coaches, they might not be as familiar with the personnel and the teams as Timmy and maybe Coach Sheffield are. Oh, thank you, Kelly Boy. 
Hey, it's the Animals here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You know, we were talking about quarterbacks in the Mountain West Conference, like, okay, Jake Hanger's the, the really good guy. And remember what happened to Carson Strong. Carson Strong had a great year. Carson Strong threw for over 4,000 yards, 39 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, uh, 70% completion rate. He had a great year. I guess it's just Nevada didn't. <laughs> 39 and 8 is amazing, but I mean he was It on might a be 36. Hold on a second. It might okay. hold on, it might be 36, but I mean you get Yeah, I I'm a, I'm a liar. 36 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Hayner last year, 33 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. He also threw for 4,000 yards. Uh quarterback uh rating Strong 156, Hayner 155.9. So with Strong gone, you can see why it's a no-brainer that uh, Jake Hayner's the man ahead of Bachmeyer. It is easy to think that now, and again, it's just based on what you just said for the most part, and I'm, on paper it makes sense, but who's to say Bachmeyer can't emerge and have one of the – when he was a freshman, I thought he was pretty good for Boise State. Not he only was good for Hawaii, a freshman. I think he was good okay, for a freshman. Okay. But could 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 Chevin be that guy? Could Shager be that? No, guy? Chevin Cordero is not going to be. He's not accurate enough. He's not an accurate enough passer. He's a great athlete. I love Chevin. Well, I wish Chevin Cordero was our starting quarterback, and I think a lot of people do, because you know all the things I mentioned earlier. Do you have his numbers there from last year as far as TDs and interceptions? No, I erased it. Okay, okay, okay. But it, I'm I mean, just wondering anyway, how they compare. Uh, not. He's not close. Okay. I can look it up again if you want, but, uh, yeah, it's not close. And those anyway, numbers are t- really, really good. And both teams were good at just that they didn't – I don't think, especially strong, again, those numbers are really good, as you said, but I don't think he lived up to the preseason hype. And when you Ooh. see him on for a Carson Strong, as an example, and even – well, Hayner, I guess – But that was. he. What I'm getting is he, he threw for great numbers. I mean, if he was in the NFL, he'd be a top-10 quarterback with those numbers. But for a guy that was picked as one of the top ten quarterbacks in the country, and I believe it might have been on Phil Steele's list or almost every magazine, right, right, USA right. Today Sports had him as a yeah, top yeah. ten, and he, he didn't end up like that. Yeah, but he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards when you got Toa Tawa on your football team. True, You're not going to – I mean, he had a great tight end. He put it – maybe he mm-hmm. helped to put his tight end as a first-round draft choice. No, not a first-round. I think he's it was a second-round. He's the second-rounder guy. The Colorado State guy was first. But anyway, uh, he had a very good tight end. Um, good receiver, Romeo Dubs. With I know that now. sounds a little controversial, saying he had a very good tight end, but it's a position in football for you know folks who are new to sports who might be listening. <laughs> On this list of players, uh, Chevin Cordero was number, ranked sixth overall, and um, Chevin Cordero threw for, wow, not much. 2,793 yards. Um, he missed, I think, three games or two and a half, right? Because Shager started. Oh, that's right. That's Shager why. Was that's two why. And one. He still probably would have been under maybe 4,000 yards, but he threw for 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Threw for about 253 yards a game. That's not bad. Um, and it, I mean, you expect more in a high-powered Hawaii-type offense, but his QBR was 131. So Bachmeyer is 139, 
Hayner and Strong are up there in the 156 low. You know what I mean? So he wasn't one of the top quarterbacks number-wise, but um, I don't have his rushing numbers for Chevin Cordero. But, um, you know, that's 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 what might Chevin Cordero is such a weapon, especially right, those right. design plays, man. You knew sometimes he was coming, and they still couldn't stop him. Those other teams you mentioned with their quarterback, they were all over 500. They all had winning records. It's a little bit different scenario. Maybe they weren't. They were easy. It was easier for them to put up points and get numbers. Hawaii's offense struggled a lot last year. I'm not trying to defend Chevin in a way, but for those it's numbers okay. that you just you can defend okay, them. Okay, okay. Well, the numbers you just read, considering Bo Graham was calling the plays for most of the season. I forgot but, about that. Yeah. Oh I mean, my I, I gosh. Give, I give Chevin oh credit. I think those numbers are actually pretty good, all things considered. And we remember seeing him oh at UNLV getting pushed back on the field oh. and some of the things that went on. And the last oh. play of the game, I think, against San Jose, when it wasn't really <laughs> Chevin's fault. In a way, it was Bo Graham calling that play. What is the last time anybody's mentioned Bo Graham's name? I know. I'm sorry to bring up bad memory. Oh, but. my goodness. Okay, so now, okay, after the UNLV game last year, was it the year before? Two years ago. Year. It was last year. It was last year. In Vegas. We played at UNLV last year? Yes. Okay, so no, after. It's all the fog to Yep. After off their last year uh, game, maybe I don't know. We got back to the car. I forgot what we were doing. Why did it took us Man, like an hour? Fans boys because we did. Oh, that. we did the the little pregame show. Post And so about an hour after the game was done, me and Gary were leaving, and th- then we saw this guy wearing that hat, right? Wearing the orange and orange and yellow, the green hat with the orange bill, the UH baseball hat, right? And the one that t- he always wears everywhere. And he was with a couple of women. He was sandwiched in between a couple of women, I guess his wife and maybe his, somebody else related, whoever, uh, on a uh, pedicab <laughs> right outside the stadium. So coming off of this loss, the rest of the team is going back to the hotel, and Bo Graham's on a pedicab driving down Frank Sinatra, Sinatra Boulevard. <laughs> We're like, is that Bo Graham? Can't be. No way. It's just a guy that has a hat like him. No way. The same beard, same hat. No way. That can't be him. They just lost the UNLV. Why would he be partying around in a pedicab? <laughs> well, after everything that went on, you can safely say that was probably Bo Graham. You know what we need? A Bo Graham Award. we got to think of that. Oh, what's for dinner tonight? How about some hot dogs? Hot dogs isn't really a dinner food, is it? I think it could be. At at Big City Diner, they got that good deal where you get two chili dogs. It's hard to eat because you get really, really full, but you can't stop because it's, like, really good. But today is National Hot Dog Day. It's It's the third Wednesday in July every year. So let's be frank about this. (laughs) (laughs) It was all the delivery. A hot dog is not a sandwich. See, some people categorize the hot dog as a sandwich. They are uniquely American based on a German and Viennese sausages. They were originally called wieners or franks. Wieners. Hey, give me a couple of wieners. Uh, Let's see. I got some fun facts real quick before we get back into Mountain West Conference football. Mustard is the most popular topping in America. It is wrong to eat your hot dog with ketchup or a knife and fork. I agree 100%. 
What about chili dog? Chili dog, you have to eat with a knife and fork, don't you? Yeah, at least one, if not both. Yeah, and a lot of napkins, maybe. 7-Eleven sells 100 million grilled hot dogs every year. And we, in this country, eat more than 25 million hot dogs at baseball stadiums every year. That, when I go to a baseball game, if I'm going to get food, that's the one food I would get. It's just kind of symbolic with baseball. That might sound weird in a way, but you just gave a figure. But I always like having a hot dog if I'm going to get food. Maybe a little ice cream, but they have exotic things and regional things at games. But hot Ice dog cream at a game? Ice cream? When I, go to a, when I go to a sporting event these days, especially on the East Coast, it's just too expensive to buy a meal or two. Unless I'm with kids or whatever like that. Nephews I might. But I, I'll usually just buy maybe just one snack. Uh, and a drink. But hot dog, you can't really go wrong with a hot dog, even for $9 or whatever it is these days. You know, that Warrior dog is still the the best hot dog. I, I, now, I've never had a Dodger dog. And from what I understand, a Dodger dog is, uh, there's two types. There's grilled ones and boiled ones. They say, find the, the vendor that sells the grilled Dodger dogs. And those are the good ones. Anyway, I've... Uh, I don't remember my last trip to Seattle. I don't think we had a hot dog at the stadium. But you know what? Best hot dog I've ever had is that uh, that warrior dog. I don't know Great why. Value. Great value I mean, it, for one thing. First of all, I think you have to look for an all-beef hot dog. I think that's one of the ones. Now, I love the red hot dogs. That's what people on the mainland call it. What do we call it? You know, the Redondo, the red ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just call them hot dogs. But I like the red ones. But you know what's a really good hot dog in the store? I don't know what company it is. Whoever invented the Portuguese sausage hot dog. I've it's a Portuguese sausage that fits in a hot dog bun. Oh, winas! Costco and Sam's Club, they've got good dogs. But still, nothing tops the warrior dog. It really, I, I don't know why I love it so much. It is good, a great value. The Portuguese sausage dog sounds pretty good right about now. And somebody's texting in that it is a sandwich. Uh, I guess or a matter of opinion there, but uh, it's kind of fitting with the all-star break and everything else going on in baseball that it would be hot dog day or national hot dog day. All right. John is calling in at 808-296-1420. How's it, brother? Hey, I'm calling in about an unusual hot dog that I never thought I would like in like 100 years. And I agree with you that it's wrong to put uh, ketchup on hot dogs. But at my working place one day, they decided to buy a bunch of hot dogs outside from a local vendor and it had mayonnaise and ketchup on it and it's actually pretty good and, oh uh, i never i never would have thought and that's at uh, lily hot bakery by the way but uh um it, i never i was like i i wouldn't have ate it unless somebody was giving it to me for free but i was like man these things are really good. it's a weird combination and i never would have thought of it in 100 years but they're actually pretty good Wow, that's a great tip. I almost want to go down the street to the store and get some hot dog buns. Because we all have hot dogs in the freezer, right? That's right. But uh, Hey, can I ask you a Major League Baseball question? Yes. I won't okay, be able to no, answer it. Gary will, though. <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm kind of more of a major uh, National League fan. And I'm just kind of wondering what the theory is, is why... It seems like a lot of times the National League wins the World Series, but it's like you can't win the All-Star game to save their life. And I, I kind of can't figure it out. I was wondering what you guys thought about that. 
I don't think there's an exact science as far as the comparison, but you're right. The AL, what is it, nine in a row now they've won and seems like they win every year, which, of course, happened again last night. I don't think there's any, uh, again, connection between the World Series. I think that's the bigger prize. The bigger prize is winning the World Series. But if you win the All-Star game, you might have those bragging rights because that's all you have. But I think there's more at stake than the World Series. The All- one thing I love about the All-Star game, everybody's having fun. Clayton Kershaw smiling on the mound yesterday. That was great. Uh, but I, it, it's a weird non-coincidence that they're so opposite, I guess. But uh, hopefully the Mets will add to that list on the World Series victories this year for the NL. Well, you know what? Looking at the Yankees and American League East teams, and I'm certainly not a Yankees fan, but it seems like American League East teams can hit really good pitching better than, like, any other division. And, like, National League teams, when they, uh, including my Cubs, uh, when they come up against a real dominant pitcher, they just kind of shrink. But uh, what do you think of that? How about this for maybe a fun fact or a stat? When you look at overall team batting average, the Mets have a better batting average than the Yankees, which is amazing. They both have the DH, remember, this year. So things are kind of even right now. The leading team in the AL is Toronto at 281, which is uh, 261, which is amazing. But the Mets are hitting 254. They're in third. Colorado, you almost don't count. The American League East teams are probably better. Those top three, maybe even four, if you include Toronto, even though they fired their manager. And Baltimore is like at 500. What a surprise they are. Uh, but batting average-wise, I think it's more so the NL this year, uh, at least for batting average. For home runs, you still have the AL in top, in, in, uh, as a top league because maybe Aaron Judge and his 33-plus. What a year he has had. Yeah, I heard a guy quoting a figure. They said that those guys, the American League has won 26 out of the last 35 All-Star games or some kind of figure like that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is weird. But the World Series, I think, you may, you might remember more, especially like your Cubs won one not that long ago. So I, I'd rather have those bragging rights in the All-Star game. <laughs> That's true. But, by the way, the All-Star game is the best All-Star. Major League Baseball All-Star game is by far the best All-Star game that there is. Oh, sure. That goes without saying, really. Hey, thanks for the call, John. Thanks. Have a great rest of your day. And that does go without saying. I, I really liked uh, the, the presentation on television yesterday. I love the players. I don't know if you caught the players being mic'd up. Yeah. What was the guy's name? Jose Trevino? That's Trevino's the guy, the his last catcher. name from the Yankees, yeah. the Yankees yeah. catcher. That guy was great because they did that one. I don't remember the pitcher's name. Uh, I think it was a Diamondback. He was, a, he was oh. a, a, a Diamondback. I think he was with the Diamondbacks. Anyway, uh, Garcia? Nest, nest, no. Anyway. Who, who's mic'd up? The pitcher. Okay, the pitcher was mic'd up was Alex Manoa for Toronto, and he was great. No, like no, 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 not, not, not with uh, Trevino. It wasn't the guy that was pitching with Trevino. Anyway, uh, so Trevino was mic'd up, and it was supposed to be, I guess, that one section. And then the next inning, he comes up to bat, and they're talking. The announcers are talking, and then he starts talking to them. They're like, oh, oh, you, you stayed on. He goes, yeah, why not? I thought that was that was excellent, and then they're like, he's up to bat. And while he's up to bat, they're like, "Hey, uh, what are you looking at here? What 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 are you what are you looking for?" He's like, "I'm not going to tell you," <laughs> right? But I mean, he had the conversation while he was on base, you know, hoping that he wasn't going to have to run, and it was a it was a great conversation to hear someone actually dur- who's mic'd up during during the play, right? right? And because you hear before. coaches in the NBA are mic'd up, right, and, uh, right. coming out of the third quarter or whatever. Uh, football, it's like you hear some guys who are mic'd up on the sidelines. That's never live. But um, it was it was great to see. I mean, 
I don't know. I was listening. Kanoa Leahy and Billy Hall were discussing that today on their show, and they said, you know, I wonder if Major League Baseball could actually do something like that for regular season games. I wish there was somebody's texting. It was Nestor Cortez from the Yankees who Thank was on the picture. Thank uh, you. And I didn't hear him talking, but Alex Manoa was on the mound, and they were tell- uh, the announcer. I'm not sure who was in the booth with, uh, for Fox, but he was saying, "What kind of pitch do you want?" He goes, "I want a slider down and low." He goes, okay, because you're nice and sexy, and he threw a slider down and low, and he hit the batter. I think Jeff McNeil is who he hit on the next pitch. But it's mm-hmm. great having those guys mic'd up. I love that access. I don't think they'd be able to do it in a regular season game live because you might give away something that managers might not well, want. and I don't think any baseball player wants to be mic'd up when he's playing a real baseball game. Yeah, It's a li- little bit of a distraction when you're up to bat and the announcers are talking to you in your <laughs> earpiece, right? But it's great. It was great access, and they did a good job that with that aspect. I thought that was pretty cool uh, hearing that yesterday. Yeah. You know, when I th- when you think about it, and, and that's one of the reasons I was talking about the Live Tour, is they do a great job of miking up the caddies, and then you can hear the players talking to the caddies. Um, the PGA, for some reason... One of the best athletes mic'd up or best golfers mic'd up is Jordan Spieth. He's constantly talking to his caddy, and you can really get an inside look at what a professional golfer is thinking, especially when you watch Jordan Spieth. But my question out loud is, when you look at these um, sports, Football, baseball, basketball, you know, all these sports. Everyone's miking everybody up nowadays, right? Who does the best job of miking up? See, you can't mic up an NFL player live. Right. Uh, you know, there's just too much, you know, uh, otherwise you get your dump button ready, right? You have that 10-second delay because, you know, you, I don't think you can mic up an NBA player. Now, when I say mic up, I mean they're mic'd up. They're not talking back and forth like um, Major League Baseball was yesterday. If you just have a microphone on the guy, and in today's technology, they can have something on where they don't even know they're wearing it. You know, somebody like um, Jose Altuve, he's used to having things mic'd up and stuff (laughs) on him. So he would be a great guy to mic up. But what I'm getting at is nowadays it's so small and so uninvasive that you could stick something on an NBA player. You could stick something on a, a little pin on his jersey, and he would be mic'd up. But the problem is with some of these sports, you, you can't mic them up live. Golf, you can mic up live, and it's great. It's perfect. Um, baseball, I think you could mic them up live. I don't know about football and basketball. It's a different, I different about the culture high speed of what you're getting the there. Fast pace of the sport. I know in the NBA Finals, I can't remember which Golden State Warrior is mic'd up, and it wasn't Curry or Thompson, but he was mic'd up, and they would just play it during timeouts later in the game. So it wasn't live, but it was actually right. on the court. Like, hey, get back on D, get back, I got him. Stuff, little things right, like that's that. That's how football or, does it. But that's how yeah, football does yeah, it. Yeah, that might be as close as we get in basketball. You can't. It would be hard to do it live. It would be too risky. Yeah, I would love to be able to, but I would love to be able to, and maybe if it's not on, you know, with the future, everything's going streaming, right? So you're streaming, if you're streaming a game, you're not governed by the FCC. You're not governed by the Federal Communications, whatever FCC stands for. You think you should know, being in business for 40 years. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the FCC, I don't believe, I think they only govern broadcast radio. They don't govern cable television 
right? Or satellite radio, I believe, they don't govern. They do broadcast radio. That's why you'll see some of the language they use on FX, some of those movies that they leave mm. in, and it's like, wow, they say that. It's only 8 o'clock at night, and they're saying they're throwing F-bombs. But even during, like, NBA press conferences after the game on TNT and ESPN, you'll hear players curse. And it's they don't. I mean, it's not on a delay, so they don't bleep it out. And I think maybe because, like you said, that it's not broadcast television; it's cable, and they don't have the, the authority over that. But you hear that more and more in press conferences now after a game. I think that I think in some, but I think for some of us, words you couldn't say on t- television before are now acceptable. You know what I'm saying? Some of them, I think I know what you mean. The other ones, a, a lot still- of. A lot of them are. There's probably two words that would be unacceptable to say, like in a press conference. Even maybe if you, even if you're on cable, you look. You're on ESPN, but you're still owned by Disney. So I'm sure Disney frowns upon uh, colorful language aired on their property, right? On their product. I would think so. I remember there was a post-game press conference in the second or third round, and Draymond Green cursed, and his four-year-old kid or whatever was sitting on his lap. And people kind of criti- some people criticized him for that doing it in front of a young child. And his response later on was, "I talk that way around the house. He's going to hear those words. Sorry, that's just how I do it." Well, and there's a lot of people that do it as well. I mean, I've seen a lot of local families. It's like uh, you know, that's that's the way they talk, and maybe it was the way they were talked to when they were kids too. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't want to get into how to raise someone else's kids. No, of kids. course not, of course not. But it has but, changed but, over the years. But it was Draymond Green was caught saying that word on TV. Yeah, on a post-game press conference. It was on, like, NBA TV. I'm not sure if it was on ESPN Live, but I saw the replay of it, and I was like, uh, wow, his kid's right there. And then I read some of the comments after how he faced some criticism. It's a 17 minutes after the hour. Josh Pacheco's had a long day. We're going to make it even longer. He's going to join us from Mountain West Media Days in Las Vegas next on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, they're, uh, they've retrieved him from underneath the black jack table at the Cal, kind of propping him up there at the end of the aisle next to the roulette table. Josh Pacheco now joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Hi, Josh. I think you mean Steven Sai. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> we actually we, we saw Steven last night. Uh, he's not staying at the same hotel as we are, but uh, he was – trying to make friends with the guy who was, uh, who was dealing poker with him. And, well, as, as customary, he lost. So that didn't work out so well. Oh, <laughs> Josh, our listeners are texting in. Are you up or down right now? Uh, I am even right now, actually, because I haven't done any gambling. Uh, I, I think he's been working the whole time he's been there. <laughs> well, and part of it is I kind of don't want to leave the room because once I get outside, it's about 100. It's probably about 108 degrees right now. Uh, it is it is miserable here. We were uh, we were walking around last night around Fremont, and it was 104 at about 9:30 at night. That was not fun. That's a yeah. summer. It's a desert in the summertime. It yeah, is. exactly. Great show this morning. Thanks for doing that with John. We got some great information. I want to ask you. Terry, the... Terry's making like he was awake for it. I, I'm not, well, I woke up once, but I listened to your interviews, and it was great. I want to ask you, what, what was your biggest takeaway from Craig Thompson's comment, the commissioner of the Mountain West? You know, I, I think the two takeaways from me were, A, uh, I think he's pretty—he's feeling pretty positive 
about where the Mountain West lands uh, in this whole conference realignment thing. You know, he reiterated that there are between six and 12 schools that have reached out to the Mountain West. And he feels like, while it's, it's the best thing to stay put right now, they have options. Uh, you know, one of the things he said was if, if, if a school leaves, you know, so be it. Maybe we stay at 10 teams. Um, but you never know with what could happen with the Pac-12 and, and what happens with other conferences that, you know, maybe there is the opportunity to, uh, to, to move up to 16. He's, he's open. And I think from him, uh, from his standpoint, I, I think he feels pretty good about where the conference uh, lies as being, you know, the top group of five conference there is right now. That will especially be the case with the American uh, losing some of its best membership next year. I, I think the other thing uh, I took away from him was his uh, his excitement with what's to come for Hawaii. Uh, I, I think uh, while a lot of people would think the Mountain West's uh, commitment to Hawaii could be questioned with uh, you know Hawaii playing in a 9,000-seat venue right now, he has remained very loyal to Hawaii and has you know has always committed to Hawaii's value within the conference. And I think... You know, he mentioned the $400 million uh, that Governor Ige signed. He mentioned it in his press conference. He mentioned it to us. And he feels Hawaii is, is still very valuable to this conference and, and is excited about what's to come with their new venue. So those are the two things I think, uh, you know, as we kind of tried to stay in that realm with him, I think those are the two things that really stood out to me. Yeah, you know, and he was taking it from a point of not that Hawaii's playing in a 9,000-seat stadium. He's saying, hey, you know what, in a few years – Hawaii's going to have a brand new stadium, and that's really that. And from his point of view, that's what you want as a conference commissioner. Colorado State has really nice facilities. You know, the list goes on and on. It, it's just a a good look for Mountain West Conference football. It's a great that's a great point you make, Chris. Because one of the things that he did talk about when he met with all of the the media members before everything got started was. You know, yeah, you could look at geography. It's a blessing and a curse, depending where you're talking about. But look at all the schools that are putting resources into their venues, whether it is where they're going to play or where they're going to practice. I mean, you just mentioned Colorado State. You know, San Diego State's going to open up Snapdragon Stadium here in the next month and a half. Hawaii's going to visit that. Um, it, it, you can see the commitment from the schools within the conference to make their uh, their programs the most competitive they can be, and as a commissioner, you know that's all you can ask for in bolstering the strength of your conference. And, and a lot of these schools have done that. Chas Pacheco joining us here up with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu, live from Las Vegas. You'll hear he he and John <laughs> Benary tomorrow at six to nine a.m. on the Bobby Current Show with more Mountain West media update. I thought it was interesting when you talked to Coach Timmy Chang this morning, Josh. How many times he used the word excitement? He also didn't seem to use coach speak when asked why, what his reaction was when pick six in the poll as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, most coaches we talk to don't take a lot of uh, stock in those preseason polls. I think it was you could have predicted it with Hawaii just because of the turnaround, you know, having very few starters back from last year and a new and a new coaching staff. But you know, it's funny with Timmy is you know, he's he's optimistic, but yet he's also kind of kind of quiet um he's not someone who uh really you know he can kind of keep that excitement under wraps a little bit but he's uh, he's talked very openly about the buy-in from his staff he's talked very openly about the buy-in with his players and uh i, I think he's he he doesn't believe that they're a sixth place team in the west division he believes in the talent they have and that they can 
they can get some people in this uh, in this conference, which is going to be a very competitive conference this year. So, I mean, he really likes what they have. By the way, with with Timmy, he broke rule number one of uh, of Mountain West Media Days because you know all of us, even AD David Matlin, we're all rookies here. Uh, don't wear a white shirt uh, because they've got white screens and green screens here with television. And uh, what did he do? He wore a white shirt in front of a white screen. So uh, he'll learn. But all in all. You know, I, I think he's uh, he's quietly optimistic. He thinks this team can win games, and but he also understands this is a building process, and the media voted that way. Um, I think he sees it and understands it, and and knows that there is only one way to go, but up, and he thinks this team can do that. He blended in, I guess, with the screen, if nothing else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, tomorrow we just announced a few minutes ago, Chris gave the list of your scheduled guests for tomorrow. I'm just kind of curious, when you do get a chance to talk to Chevin Cordero, what do you hope to ask him? You know, we, we actually saw him a little bit, uh, you know, right, right as we were leaving. And, uh, you know, he, he seemed kind of quietly, you know, happy. I think, I, I think we'll ask him, you know, how, how, does it, how does it feel to be wearing a different uniform, uh, you know, here at Mountain West Media Days? Uh, I think we'll, we'll ask him about how excited or how nervous he is with Hawaii on the schedule toward the back end. And we'll probably all, I'll also ask him how uh, – you know, offensively, his his style fits uh, with that San Diego. Uh, I'm sorry, San Jose State system. So we'll we'll ask him a few of those things. Uh, we'll have him live tomorrow. Uh, also tomorrow, by the way, we we will talk with Brent. Well, we talked with Brent Brennan. You'll hear it tomorrow. And there is no guarantee that Chevin Cordero is the starting quarterback uh, for San Jose State. Uh, Brent Brennan is excited about what he's got in the quarterback room. Nash started a few games last year. He's more of a running quarterback. He also played wide receiver a year ago. Uh, you know, not to give too much away, but but Coach Brennan says he, he's expecting big things from Chevin Cordero, but he did stop short of committing to, to Chevin as the starting QB at San Jose State. So you'll hear more of that conversation tomorrow. But, you know, Chevin's not someone who's a, who's a big talker. We'll try to get as much out of him as, as possible. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think we'll try to see, you know, the nervousness, the excitement uh, with the Hawaii ties, but also, you know, being on the opposite end of this conference. Ask him, ask, actually put it this way, say, what does it feel like wearing Punahou colors? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you feel about that, Chev? <laughs> Josh, in your opinion, just for this conversation, let's say he doesn't get the starting job and doesn't play a lot next year not so much will he have regret do you think it would come into his mindset that maybe he would want to return to uh um not knowing Shevin as well on that front that's really hard to say i i think you know part of that is a lot of these relationships and, and we hear coaches talk about it you know throughout the course of the day today because everybody's talking about nil and, and all that and how it affects them i think the relationship is important and uh from what brent brennan kind of said to us earlier today you know, he said, "Hey, as soon as he was in the portal, we flew down to Hawaii to visit him immediately." Uh, I think there is a bond that they have. You know, Shevin's got to earn it, and I think he knows that. Uh, but I think if that relationship is strong, regardless of how much he plays, that uh, you know, it, it, it may be tough to see him coming back to Hawaii. But in in these days of of NIL and transfer portal, I mean, heck, you never know, right? Yeah. I'm curious about this, but people you talk to today, I know you're going to talk to a lot tomorrow. What seemed to be the topic of conversation regarding the University of Hawaii team? Is it the stadium? Is it Timmy Chang? Is it a combination or something else that they're talking or curious about? You know, I think we spent a lot of time because we, we did really talk with coaches today, and it really was about Timmy. You know, one of the cool things about 
hearing from guys because we didn't get to talk to Jay Norvell, but they, they got to see each other. Uh, Jimmy was under Jay at, at Nevada. But guys like uh, you know, Marcus Arroyo from UNLV spent some time with Timmy Chang. Even Craig Bull, who is as straight as, uh, straight a shooter as it gets from Wyoming, talked about his excitement of seeing you know, Timmy Chang back in this conference as a coach. To a man, everyone we talked to said that they are excited. Uh, they like his fit at the University of Hawaii. And while they won't talk about the expectations of where they could be in the conference, they really like how Timmy has, has handled himself so far, and, and, and they believe he could do great things at the University of Hawaii. Hopefully that will start on August 27th. That's the hope. Yeah, right on. Sure. All right. Hey, Josh, thank you very much. Get out there and uh, go go play a little bit. and <laughs> You know? Thanks, Josh. All work and mo- no play makes Josh a grouchy boy. Come on. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll think about getting some Kino in later. Mention Chris's name. You'll get a lot of goodies and freebies. <laughs> Good to know. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. Thank you, guys. There he is, Mr. Excitement. He's going to go sit down at one of those little student desks and uh, watch the Kino balls come and go. <laughs> or he's going to just go, he's going to make his picks, then he's going to go up in his room and watch the Kino broadcast on TV. Come on, Pacheco, live a little, will you? I tell you, these neighbor island guys, they do not know how to do Vegas. Follow Steven Sai. He knows how to do Vegas. My goodness. Can't believe that all came out on the air. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Josh Pacheco. That was one of the best radio shows I've heard in uh, a long time. Listening this morning, you'll have more of the same tomorrow with Josh Pacheco and John Venary live from Las Vegas, six to nine a.m. right here on ESPN Honolulu. That reminds me, our Hawaii USA countdown to kickoff, which you can see at ESPNHonolulu.com, reads thirty-seven days, twenty-three hours, fifty-seven minutes. And 12 seconds till we kick off against Vanderbilt. We mentioned the NIL. Lane Kiffin had a great comment. Best comment I've heard at SEC Media Days about the NIL. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Celebrating National Hot Dog Day today. Have a hot dog. And think of us. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. I mentioned a great quote on the NIL from Lane Kiffin, and I lied. It wasn't Lane Kiffin at all. Well, actually, Lane Kiffin had a, a quote from um, SEC Media Days, and he's talking about NIL. And he says, he says, I'm sure other people have said it. He said, but I said to you day one, you're legalizing cheating. So get ready for people to have the most money to get the best players, and there you have it. But that's not what um, – That's not what I was uh, thinking of. What I was thinking of from SEC media days is Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. What's his nickname? The Mad Professor or something? Anyway. The Mad something. I'm not sure if it was Professor Mad Genius. I forget already. I don't know. He's the guy that stuck one of his players in a closet one time. Did a lot of weird things. Yeah. Anyway, he he had a great quote when talking about NIL. He says, College athletes have more privileges than anybody at any other professional level. He goes on to say, go up to an NFL guy and say, hey, I heard in the NFL they're going to have unmitigated free agency 365-24-7. And by the way, there's not going to be any salary cap or draft. You're just going to go to have bidding wars. 
He says, just watch the expression on their face. Don't look at anyone else or write down any notes because the expression on their face will be well worth it. He's talking to the press. It's basically true. Go up Got to an NFL point. guy and say, you don't have to. You don't have to be. You're, you're not, you don't have to be bound by a contract. You can go to any team you want, and if you're good, they'll bid for you. That's what NIL is doing. That's what he's saying it's doing. And about now, six. Oh. Go ahead. Okay, about six months ago, I would have said, well, the NFL players are going to get a lot more money not having the same free agency deal. But now when you look at college, I mean, they would have more money. Now you look at the college players and the dollar amount for the NIL, that's not the case. So I think he has a pretty valid point. Right, and this is just the beginning of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this is going to get bigger and bigger and big, bigger. The, um, But with um, the whole NIL thing, and now I forgot where I was going with it. Darn it. Anyway. I thought it was a pretty good. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good comment because that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is when you when you go up and just say, "Hey, you know what? There are no rules anymore in college athletics because of the transfer portal and because of the NIL. Anybody can do anything. It's a wild, wild west. I don't know how they change that, but right now they can't. They're legally bound to let these kids." take money one way of changing it is something lane kiffin did suggest i believe yesterday was maybe cut a cap on the nil because everybody can do whatever they want you said but alabama can offer a lot more than wyoming so you're going to have even more separation so yeah everybody can't really do what they want to get but but that's how it is now but it's going to be a bigger spread i think or bigger gap i think i I don't know if it's any bigger than it is right now what you're going to get is you're going to get ohio state battling with clemson battling with alabama and what's that going to cause? The 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 Bryce Bryce Young's one million dollars is going to be peanuts, because you're bidding for players. Right. Even though it's it's not coming from the school, you're bidding for players. I think also what we heard uh, Nick Saban yesterday talking about the haves and the have-nots. Well, the have-nots are not going to be just a group of five. They're going to be the Vanderbilt, the Mississippi right. States with Mike Lee. They're not going to be able to keep up with Alabama and right. Texas and Oklahoma and right. A&M. So there's going to be yeah. even separation in their own conference. Let's talk about later how when you're talking about putting together a conference, right, your, your super conferences, it's I'm going to invite the teams who can offer the best NILs, which means they're going to have the best athletes, and we only want to play football with those guys. We'll do that later. ESPN Honolulu with Chris Hart and Gary Dickman back on in the afternoon for a couple of days. And uh, joining us now, it's our uh, weekly visit from uh, Keith Amemia. He appears via Keith Amemia for LG. And, well, ballots start going out for uh, as soon as, like, today or tomorrow. And uh, Keith is running for lieutenant governor. You'll remember, of course, that he was the executive director of the Hawaii High School Athletic Association, the HHSAA, and has done a lot of uh, good for high school sports. Now, Keith, if you are elected lieutenant governor, what will you do for sports in Hawaii? Well, there's so many more things the state can do for sports, and as your lieutenant governor, I'll make sure that happens. Um, I obviously have a passion for sports. I have a background in sports, and I have a proven track record of making things happen with, of course, the help of many people. Uh, But in terms of sports being an economic driver, we need to bring more tournaments to Hawaii. Uh, Even youth sports tournaments are big-dollar opportunities. 
you know, whether it's more golf tournaments or more basketball tournaments, international soccer, um, rugby. Um, there are so many more opportunities uh, to, to make sports an important part of our economy and provide more sports opportunities for, for um, our youth and, and high school and college athletes statewide. Um, you know, wh- one of the things that I think is important and, and I, I want to see done uh, before I die is, is middle school sports in the public schools. So the private schools have it. Middle schools should have it in the public schools, just like they do in, I believe, every other state in the country. But by and large, um, we're falling short of what we can do, including supporting University of Hawaii Athletics. All right, let's go back to before we get to uh, support of University of Hawaii Athletics, let's talk about middle school sports. A lot of people can't, you know, young parents uh, can't bring their kids to, say, uh, you know, uh, practice, club practice or something like that, regardless of the sport. They're working. They can't get off. And having uh, school sports would be a great opportunity for these kids because they're already on campus and the parents can pick them up after practice. So it's uh, that's that's pretty incredible. You bring that up. I didn't know we trailed the rest of the country in that aspect. Yes, we do. And so, to your point, uh, they're already on campus. Um, they can practice on campus. They don't need to be transported somewhere. Also, there's the you know I, I'm all all about sports, but I'm also about academics as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, by playing for your middle school, you need to keep up your grades. You need to maintain good behavior uh, you're you're better prepared for high school academics and the rigor that that it entails uh, making the move up to high school so um and of course it, it it's an advantage for the private schools frankly that they have intermediate school sports where their athletes from seventh grade are learning the system whether it's football or soccer or volleyball uh for six years in a row uh, as opposed to public school students who only enter in ninth grade and don't have those first two years in seventh and eighth grade of seasoning. Yeah, and also, you know, talk about there's also you, a, a physical fitness aspect, which is, of course, something that, uh, you know, uh, that we could all benefit from too, as, as families mm-hmm. would benefit from. Talk a little bit about UH Sports, and I've heard this mentioned uh, just on the radio by one of our hosts earlier, I think, it was, I don't know if it was John Veneri or Josh Pacheco this morning that was saying, you know, that the state can do more to support University of Hawaii sports. Uh, no, no question. Let me go back to high school sports even for okay. a real brief moment. Um, you know, I want to make clear that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in, in high school, for the public high schools, only the legislature can, can appropriate money. So, for example, the Campbell High School Girls Locker Room. Right. It's not Campbell. Campbell doesn't have the ability to fund it. The DOE doesn't have the ability to fund it. The HHSA doesn't have the ability to fund it. It's all in the legislature's hands. They've had the ability for decades. They've known of this issue for decades to fund it. And it, it shouldn't take a lawsuit and an election year to finally fund gr- uh, girls' locker rooms throughout the state to comply with Title IX. And and that's something that uh, people need to take into account uh, when it comes to electing their legislators back into office again, including the House Finance Chair who's running for lieutenant governor. When it comes to the University of Hawaii, uh, we're doing the best with what we can or the university is, but 
in terms of comparisons with, with peer institutions, uh, the University of Hawaii gets far less support than, than other programs. Um, when you, it's a great fundraiser for training table, but why do you have to go out to the community to ask for donations to fund basic needs like nutrition for student athletes? Um, that should be part of the funding for the UH athletic program. But let's also talk about the stadium. Um, the legislature has known for 10 years, at least 10 years, that major renovations were needed at a low stadium or that a new stadium needed to be built. Why wasn't anything done earlier? If I was lieutenant governor at the time or house finance chair, we would have made it happen. We'd have a new stadium now. Now the university is faced with playing in what is essentially a high school football facility for the next who knows how long, four or five years, that hurts recruiting, that hurts revenue generation when you go from a 50,000-seat stadium to a 9,000-seat stadium. Um, it hurts uh, so many other things uh, for the program um, in terms of including the financial viability of the entire program. Again, um, I would have made that happen far longer than uh, ago than, than now. Uh, here's the other issue that's coming up, Chris, is with Red Hill and water resources being perhaps limited mm -hmm. because of the con contaminated aquifer, there's talk about preventing future development. Um, who knows if the UH, uh, the new stadium at Aloha Stadium will get off the ground. Um, and what maybe it'll take 10 years to build a new stadium. And by then, our program is going to be so far behind. Um, so, again, you know, if Sylvia Luke's going to take credit for funding $400 million for Aloha Stadium, she needs to take responsibility of why it didn't happen earlier and putting Timmy Chang and his new coaching staff in such a bind. I think when if you did it a little earlier, you it would be so much less expensive than it's going to be because I don't know that, and I don't know this for a fact, but when are we ever under or at budget? Yeah, I mean, so, again, why, if this was done 10 years ago, like normal states, normal legislatures do it, they would have got it done by now. We wouldn't have this issue. We wouldn't be debating about why we don't have a stadium and when is a new stadium going to be built. Uh, again, the disadvantages we are placing upon the athletic program and the football program in particular is just simply unfair. Um, if you want a, someone who's going to push ahead sports, you know, please vote for me. If, if you want someone who's not going to be decisive and just going to fund things when it's an election year, then, then vote for my opponents, I suppose. <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it. Keith Amemia is uh, running for lieutenant governor, and he comes to us via Amemia for LG. Thank you very much, Keith. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, uh, brother was fired up on that one, and yeah. uh, he brings up he's he's you know he's done a lot of good in the past. I know, for uh, you know high school sports here in Hawaii, got Sports Center with Keegan Ota coming up momentarily, and on the last Sports Center, there was a story you might see it at the it's in the L.A. Times, ESPN.com has an article on it. California Governor Gavin Newsom today demanded that UCLA explain how its Pac-12 exit for the Big Ten will benefit the student-athletes and honor its relationship with UC Berkeley. Blah, 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 blah. He's demanding it. To me, it sounds like 
Gavin Newsom is upset that he that they they kind of made this decision without telling the governor. He met with the uh, UC, the UC uh, University of California Board of Regents, and is a uh, he's a pretty upset capper. But he says the first duty of every public university is to the people, especially the students. This is from the L.A. Times. UCLA must clearly explain to the public this deal, how this deal will improve the experience for all its student athletes, and will it honor and uh, will that they will uh, how this affects their century-old partnership with UC Berkeley, and how it will preserve the histories, rivalries, and traditions that enrich our communities. Okay, first of all. How is this going to, let's, let's peel this back like the layers of an onion. How is this going to explain, uh, help the experience for student athletes? It's going to bring you a lot more money to the campus, which will benefit the Title IX sports. Okay? There's one for you, Mr. Newsom. Uh, let's see. Uh, what about the, uh, the, the rivalry of UC Berkeley? Berkeley and UCLA can schedule each other in a non-conference game year after year after year after year. Look how easy that'll make schedule making. Not a problem. So that's how, you know, I don't know what other traditions and rivalries and the histories that you're going to have. But if you're thinking that UCLA is going to be the UCLA with Jackie Robinson playing baseball and football and the great UCLA football teams that back then, I don't know that they get to where they once were. They were really good, and they're good in all these other sports. That's great. Football's making them move here. So if you want to, if you think that this is going to be bad for your football team, and I don't foresee UCLA winning a ton of games in the SEC, Big but, Ten. Uh, sorry, the Big Ten. But they don't win a ton of games in the Pac-12. <laughs> You're in the same situation with just a lot more money. Yeah, win-win. Hey, the ESPY Awards are going on now, or they might even be over by now, but it's state delayed in Hawaii. So we'll save our comments on the ESPY Awards. Behind some of the ones, you know, Jocelyn Alo, the woman athlete of the, the year. Uh, congratulations to her. That's already out and been reported on because it's not in the regular broadcast. But uh, don't worry, woman. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss our thoughts on this tomorrow afternoon here on ESPN Honolulu. Don't want to ruin it if somebody's going home to watch it. It's not like it's a live sports game and we report scores. It's just a, basically a television show. Uh, it's National Hot Dog Day. I hope you're enjoying it. Earlier, John called, and he said he tried a hot dog. I, I can't remember where he said he was, was at. But he tried a hot dog, and on the hot dog, because it says, you know, like mustard is the most popular hot dog topping in this country. Ketchup, they say, is a no-no, although all little kids love ketchup on hot dogs. But ketchup is no. But he said he had a hot dog with mayonnaise and ketchup mixed together. See, if you add relish to that, what do you got? Thousand Island dressing. So that's that's what it is. My wife always makes that for her salad dressing. Sometimes she does the, you know, that's what we do when we're, you know, when we were poor people. Well, we had we didn't have salad dressing, but we had ketchup. We had mayo. We can make salad dressing with that. So basically, that's what's on a hot dog. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. I had a friend in Hilo, and their family ate hot dogs with ketchup and mustard. 
frequently, and they convinced me to try it. And I love you mean love ketchup hot, and mayo, ketchup and mayonnaise on a hot dog. And I love hot dogs. I have never had that, and I only put mustard or relish on it before yeah. or sauerkraut. So uh-huh. I tried it. It just seemed like two worlds colliding that didn't belong together. Oh, because come I love on. mayonnaise and I like ketchup. No, but, mix it together. Don't put one on each side. Well, they, were on, they were on together. the hot dog. They were on the hot dog. It wasn't. Mix it together before your stomach mixes it together, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I see. Mix it together and try it that way. See, I would I would think that would, and then put a little relish. You know what? Just put Thousand Island dressing. And then what's the Chicago hot dog? The Chicago way has, like, lettuce and tomato on it, I believe. That would be crazy. Thousand Island dressing, lettuce, tomato, and a dog. Huh? You're getting me hungry. All right, we'll go to your uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line momentarily. And uh, I wanted to bring this up about the ESPYs, if that's okay. We were going to talk about no, the conference realignment? No, oh, conference realignment. Okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you can bring – go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the, the ESPYs we'll discuss tomorrow, like I just said. We'll save everything on the ESPYs for tomorrow. Okay, everything about that. Okay, we- take two. Hey, it's the Sports Animals. What's going on with the conference realignment, Gary? <laughs> I know Craig Thompson talked about it today, and he said they're going to explore that again. I still well, what he said was they don't know really what they're going to do. I'm sorry to interrupt. What he said was basically, hey, if we lose somebody, you know, maybe we stay with ten teams. We don't know. He had a quote though, making it sound like it's something they might look into in the future. Here's my question: They're exploring. What he's saying basically, in between the lines, is they are exploring. Hey. We're not saying no. We're not saying, hey, we're not going to do anything. We're looking at all options right now. And that's good. I think you have to, whether Wait, you admit it or not. One thing that Josh told us earlier was that Craig Thompson told him that they were they got calls, I think he said 6 to 12 schools, inquiring oh. about the possibility. That's, wow. It, it, was, it did surprise me, first of all. But when you talk about realignment, what I thought initially was, and again, one of his quotes were, we're talking about realigning with another conference. In other words, joining another conference, wow. the whole Mountain West. That, and I know Rob DeMello had that quote, which I'll pull up in just a second. That okay, I so while you're while you're pulling that up, what conference would that be? The Sun Belt? It certainly couldn't be the AAC. That would be crazy. I, I know. I was really surprised. Especially at that. if you're Hawaiian, you have to pay for Central Florida to fly four thousand, four thousand five hundred miles, whatever it is. To come play? I would think wow. if you add more schools, to, and the rule is if anybody gets added to the Mountain West, Hawaii's not obligated to pay the travel subsidy, just like the Big West with oh, San that's Diego. Right. That's right, that's right, that's right. So that wouldn't be a problem. But I would just that, – that part was surprising. Here um, doesn't have the quote. He just says the Mountain West is laying out their options, which include revisiting a possible merger with another conference. And this wow. is from Rob DeMello through Craig Thompson earlier today. Wow, that's that's kind of exciting. That's, yeah, something, so that was new. that's something different. Because there's not a lot of options. You either have Conference USA, the Sun Belt, that, or the AAC. I guess are the only three. I'm trying to think of the fifth uh, group of five conference right now. Uh, but I don't. I mean, that was it's interesting because again, the, the statement that Josh said as far as maybe adding schools. I my follow-up question to that about merging with another conference. When you're in a group of five, how much more money would you make? Because you're splitting the pie, as we talk about. The SEC is making so much money, Big Ten. When they split the pie with two more schools, it's not like you're losing a lot. If a group of five school merges with another conference, I would think the loss of revenue would be very significant. Okay, first of all, you have the Sun Belt Conference, the Mountain West Conference, the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, Conference USA, and the AAC. 
the American Athletic Conference. Those are your group of five. I think when you when you group, I'm I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. I think if you have more eyeballs, maybe you can get a better television contract. More cities mean more people watching. If you have two ten team, and all of a sudden you have a twenty team conference, twice the amount of people that will watch it on TV. I, I'm guessing that's why. How would that offset? splitting money amongst 20 opposed to, as opposed to 10 as an example what right. you said would make sense if there's more right. viewers that maybe right. more and, money but that's and that's why you're it's the same thing we brought up last week when you're talking about the sec or the big 10 oh look the big 10 has more schools we can get more we can get more schools in and then we'll have a better contract well you just have to split the pie more way your slice of your pie is a lot smaller even though it's a bigger pie but, but so, I think they can I don't know how the, I don't know how the it depends what the, the amount of money is. Yeah, it just but, depends how much money they can get. I don't know. Do you do it for survival? Do you do Do you play defense by playing by playing offense? In other words, you don't want somebody else to go and group, get together strength in, in numbers. You know, to go ahead and put together a big superpower group of five conference, and then you're left holding the bag. You and New Mexico State are playing each other five times a year now. Please no. Right. And Craig Thompson talked about that, how they were kind of left in a bind 23 years ago, and the WAC kind of was losing some schools, and now the Mountain West was formed. So, I mean, he, he brought up those similarities, I guess, in his in his mind, talking about that. I, I, again, when you hear about the haves and the have-nots, going back to what Nick Saban said, and I know I'm old school and I keep saying this, I don't like a lot of change, but I don't know how this is good for college football. I know it's all about money. It's all about TV. And I know that's important. Yeah. I mean, you won't have a conference or a sport without money. Right. It's just sad in a way that it's come to this. Well, I don't I, – see, I don't want to come out and say this is bad for college football because UCLA might not play UC Berkeley every year. <laughs> Sorry. I could I could give a rip. I, the, only, the only game I've ever watched with UC Berkeley and UCLA – are highlights of the the guy running for a touchdown and running over the band in that the was, end zone. That was Stanford John Elway and Cal. or somebody. Stanford, Stanford and, Cal. and Cal. Oh, so I'm not even watching UCLA and Cal. <laughs> I know. What is that a rivalry? When has that been a big Ooh, rivalry? Cal's on. Let's watch. So, come on. It's a bunch of hippies against. Oh no, you didn't say it. Come on, if you. I hope my friend Jimmy Takatsuka's not listening. I think Jimmy went to Cal. Anyway, the. Uh, yeah, I guess you just don't want to get left behind, so you're going to jump on with as many people. You know what would be cool? You know what would be really cool? Tiff Wells is going to join us coming up, talk Wahine volleyball in a second. What would be really cool is if you could, if I'm the Mountain West, I call South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Montana, and Montana State. And I call these guys and go, hey, come on up, join our the kind. And in a few years, that could be a real powerful conference. Why wouldn't those FCS teams work always at the top? Now is the time to jump into the Division One football. I wonder, and you would maybe know more about it, when it's all based on TV, those markets, I would imagine, are pretty small. And if they don't add more viewers as opposed to the lesser amount that they have, wherever See, they are ranked, that's none of if, that matters. If you're just thinking, okay, television, if you're only thinking television, because part of this is, Okay, how do we make our how do we make our um, how do we make our conference better? You you don't invite New Mexico State, and you because you know they're going to lose to Montana State right now if they play. The uh, I don't know that for sure, but anyway, what I'm getting at is 
these teams obviously have a history of being great on the FCS level. Now, Appalachian State was very good, and they've been okay on the FBS level. I, I haven't really been paying to some of these schools who have made the move up. But I think that it's it's interesting enough, at least, to kind of consider. Instead of going, okay, who can we get from Conference USA? Let's get Louisiana Tech back. I'd rather see what Montana State, South Dakota State, and those guys can do. That's a good point. I mean, I remember when the Mountain West formed and there was no whack. I know how I felt. I felt it's too bad the whack is dissolving, where half the schools have left for the Mountain West. But in time, it worked out fine for everybody, really in every sport. So maybe if you're old school, you don't like to see whatever rivalries are there disappear. I mean, UCLA and Cal, I think, is a really, really weird example. Uh, but <clears throat> I can understand people thinking that way. But I also, from everything I read, is based on TV market. And if you can't get more money by adding a school, for example, the Big Ten. I mean, they're adding UCLA and USC not because they're good or bad in football, because right. of L.A. and what it represents. That's the dollar sure. sign speaking, right? Right. Well, it's the second largest city. Well, and UCLA also has an, uh, excuse me, USC has a national following. So you have guys like me in Honolulu who have no connection to USC, but I love USC football because that's where Mosi Tatupu went and we started watching when we were kids. So they have a national audience. They have an L.A. audience. Now they have an L.A. market. The L.A. audience, how many people are tuned into UCLA football who live in L.A.? I don't know, but you have a lot more chances of people to tune in if you say you've got Ohio State against UCLA. Sure. Because of just the, the sheer amount of people in Los Angeles. You know, I think that, you know, we were talking about this off the air. UNLV is very attractive, I think, if you're looking for television markets or whatever. It's strength. If you're looking for an, an F, a, a group of five team, to join your Power Five conference, you would you should consider UNLV. UNLV has a great stadium. UNLV is in a large market, not a major market, but a large market with its population alone. When you add all the tourists who are in town, add a few more million people, and you've probably got the 25th biggest city in the United States. Hawaii is about the 65th biggest market. And I'm just going out for radio market. I don't know what else goes into it. Hawaii's about the 65th biggest market. But right now, you add, the, the, you know, the million people, whatever it is, the tourists, Hawaii's a lot bigger than number 65. And those people could be watching TV. I don't know. But I think what's going to be a part of this is the NIL. And it is, and I touched on this just for a second earlier, I think the NIL is going to be growing so big that, of course, the school with the best NIL deals, it's not the schools, I know, but let's be honest, it's the schools. The schools with the best NIL deals will get the best athletes, which will bring you a stronger football program. And there's a lot of money floating around in the desert in Las Vegas. <laughs> so I'm just saying that UNLV could be a potential Power 5 conference school. And that's what Ed Graney was talking about in his article. I mean, football-wise, he acknowledges they're not quite there. But if you're right, looking but, at a Mountain West school. But now that you're allowed to go out and buy players, they can't recruit players, but they sure can potentially buy them. So if you've always been a bad program, you can't get anyone to come out to your schools because you're, you're not a great recruiter. Well, you know what? 
Maybe you don't want to live in the desert. How's a million dollars a year sound to you, son? You can get air conditioning with that. <laughs> that's a big that's a big plus. Craig Thompson was asked about that earlier. He said we're in the revenue race and it's based solely and totally on television revenue. The education component hasn't taken a back seat, but it's not as pressing as it once was. Geography has been thrown out the window. Rivalry, yes. history, things like that don't mean much to people anymore. Right. And so uh, not to people, to presidents. Yeah, to the presidents. People. They they don't care about they don't care how far the kids have to travel. But then again, when you're complaining Oh, look at that. we got to fly all the way to Honolulu. Everybody's going to start making those trips. UCLA and USC are going to make, be making those trips all the time as far as as far as far miles go. What did David Matlin have to say? Tiff Wells is going to join us momentarily. What did David Matlin have to say about college realignment and the Mountain West? This is from earlier this morning from the Mountain West Days show with Josh Pacheco and John Veneri. There's stuff going on in college football. <laughs> um, you know, obviously it's um, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. It was a kind of a shock wave that a lot of people didn't see. It's surprising because even in Texas, Oklahoma, there was rumblings, you know, the few months before. But for this, this kind of startled people. You know, so it just comes – it really comes down to what what, what, and if is the, the next domino, you know, when is it going to fall. Um, you know, our, our job in Hawaii and even as the Mountain West Conference is, you know, we just got to be the best we can be. Uh, to put yourself in position to have the conference be as good as they can be. I mean, good thing about the Mountain West, I mean, we, of the group of five conferences, we're the best. You know, uh, we're arguably, we're no, no question we're the best right now. So I think we're in a good position. But, you know, opportunity might come knocking for some people, and, and they'll have to make decisions. And uh, But I'm, 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 I'm feeling good about where we are now because I think we're in a position of strength where more so than we were even a few years ago. And that was interesting to hear. I, I, again, he's, he's leaving it open, but he's happy with where the Mountain West is right now. And, again, I, just interesting when you hear an athletic director say how shocked he was about USC and UCLA. As fans, we were. But to hear him in his position to say just shows how big of a surprise it was. But nothing. It was, it was big, just a big a surprise to everybody in the Pac-12. Yeah, that was the I, best kept. There was no rumor, no nothing. Man, they did a great job. No leaks, no anything. And the governor, apparently, too, was kept in the dark. As we heard a few minutes ago. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk some uh, Wahine volleyball with the voice of Hawaii volleyball. Tiff Wells joins us next here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, let's get a little Wahine volleyball in here with the voice of Hawaii volleyball. Tiff Wells is on with us here on ESPN Honolulu. Christopher! Gentlemen, I have a suggestion for how Josh can have fun in, in the in the casino for tomorrow. You ready for this? I'm yeah. ready. Okay, when Josh hopefully goes and plays poker, or not poker, I'm sorry, blackjack. See, I've already messed this up. When Josh <laughs> plays blackjack, uh-huh. when you get to 20, you hold. Don't hit me on 20, Josh. That's my suggestion. <laughs> you speak okay. from experience, I guess. <laughs> No, no experience at all. Just, just if you, know, if from, you, if from. you, if you have a jack and a queen, don't hit. Don't hit. You hold. <laughs> Twenty is probably gonna win. <laughs> what about that? You know, I played one time. This guy sat down at our table, and uh, he was just drunk, and he was like, "Hey, I, I hit on what I want," <laughs> and he was just—he had no problem losing twenty-five bucks a hand. He was like twenty. Well, I'm going to hit. 
you don't realize you mess up the rest of the table. Exactly. So he was doing that. He did that. Everyone got up and left. He goes, hey, where are you guys going? He looked like well, Foster. Needs- what was the guy's name? Foster, Foster Grant. Brooks. Foster, Foster Brooks. Brooks. Foster Grant that is his needs, sunglasses. That guy needs to. Uh, that guy needs to throw some radio guys some money because I, I wouldn't. That would be nice to be throwing away twenty five dollars every time. I know it was not. It, well, it didn't last long because he had no one to play with. <laughs> Did you leave? Oh yeah. Okay. You got to. Anyway, let's talk volleyball. <laughs> yes, Tiff. Let's talk volleyball. We talk so much football and how the season is coming up on the 27th, but Rainbow Wahine Volleyball will start a day earlier. I'm kind of envious you get to go to College Station, love it down there. But that's going to be a pretty tough opening tournament with Texas A&M Pittsburgh in the Final Four last year and San Diego. Yeah, you guys mentioned the countdown for football from 37 days and, and a handful of hours. For Rainbow Wahine Volleyball, it's 36 days and, and a handful of hours. You mentioned that uh, Texas A&M Invitational, of course, A&M the host, about a 500 team from a year ago. Pitt made the Final Four uh, in, in 2021. Dan Fisher, former Rainbow Warrior associate head coach, is their, is their, is their head coach. Of course, uh, Kamala, Kamalani Akeo is uh, one of their two setters. Former Kamehameha standout. Pitt made the Final Four a year ago. San Diego, who Hawaii played last year in Utah. They've been a consistent non-conference piece in Hawaii's schedule. They made the tournament a year ago. They've been a consistently... Uh, top three WCC team year in and year out the last handful of years. So, yeah, like you said, it's it's going to be a very tough non-conference weekend to open up the season. And for Hawaii, right out of the gate in terms of the RPI, three solid RPI helpful pieces for Hawaii in 2022. You know, one thing that's interesting about this team, when I look at the roster, you only have one senior, and that's Bird. Milana Bird, I believe, is the first name, who started last year and didn't really play that much down the stretch. But you have a lot of experience, yet you have a lot of underclassmen on this team. So that bodes well not only for this year, but for the upcoming seasons as well. You do. And, and of course, with how every sport has been helped and hurt with COVID in terms of recruiting and players getting that extra year, uh, that COVID year, to be, you know, fifth-year juniors or sixth-year seniors, those super seniors, Milana Bird is going to be the – upper upperclassmen of, of this squad and for Hawaii who like you said with how Mylana Bird started Kate Lane came in and basically became the 5-1 setter now you throw in a Jackie Matias uh, who will also be in, in the setting situation for Hawaii you've got three setters on the roster do you go with a five do you go with a five hitter one setter offense do you go with six hitters two setters so you can have three front row hitters you know, in every single rotation, head coach Robin Amo will have a lot of options, at least from a setting standpoint, when the season starts in, in a month. Got to see a lot of Kate Lang that you are talking about last year as a freshman setter. Does he have a chance to maybe move up and be one of the better setters we have seen? Because to me, when I watched her at the end of the year, it didn't seem like she was playing like a freshman. Complete composure, complete control, good setting. And I just thought, good sets. I mean, I just thought she made good passes and did everything you would expect. And considering she's a freshman, you would think she's going to get better year in, year out. You would think. And in a lot and a lot of you know, college athletes, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the sport you hear. What, what is the biggest transition you can make from – your freshman to sophomore year, because a lot of people feel that's going to be your biggest jump from year to year in your time as a, as a college athlete. And I think for Kate Lang, for her, if she is indeed going to be the starter or one of two starters for, for Hawaii, it's going to be that connection with the middle because there were a lot of times last year where it was, you know, it was, it wasn't the greatest of tempo sets to whether it was Sky Williams or Ambright GD in the middle or Anaki Rai when she got some run, you want to see her have some better connections 
with their middle. And now with you throwing in this new uh, transfer that just got announced earlier on her Instagram, Kennedy Evans, the former Utah middle blocker, who's not going to be a rainbow Wahine. It's not officially official from UH, but you know, you piece together things on social media, you can find things out. Uh, it, that's going to be my biggest thing for Kate Lang is for her to have a better connection and have better tempo sets uh, to whoever's going to be the two middles for Hawaii. Tiff Wells joining us here on ESPN Honolulu talking Rainbow Wahine volleyball season starts on August 26th. I guess one of the big questions as camp will start soon is who takes over for outstanding outside hitter Brooke Van Sickle. That, you know, that, that was the, when, when, I, when I ran into Josh last week and, I, and he had me on on the morning show, that was, he, that was his first thing was what, what is your biggest takeaway from coming into this opening week? And that was going to be who was going to be your number one offensive option because everybody knows when last year the time, you know, time in the timeout, you needed a kill, you needed a point, it was going to go to Brooke Van Sickle. You lose, your play, you lose the player of the year in the conference, you lose arguably your, your top hitter, Where's that offense going to come? Is it? And you also have you know Mia Johnson, who's now at Texas A&M. A lot of pieces. Who's going to be that next? Who's going to be that 01 uh, for this Hawaii squad? Is there going to be some kind of you know development and growth of Riley Wagner, who who did very well on the beach this season? You throw in you throw in uh, you know possibly Tiffany Westerberg on that right side. Also a lot of hype for for Kayla Alexander, the freshman out of Georgia. She had a very good high school career, and also Chandler Cowell. You remember her older brother, Colton, had a very nice career for the Rainbow Warriors side. Could she be possibly one of those top two left side hitters? And it's it's it'll be it'll be fun to watch the development because going into night number one, you don't know who's going to be your top your top hitter because last year you had Brooke Van Sickle. What about Anna Karali? I mean, I see she's from Hungary, but I know the last name is very familiar for volleyball fans. Is she any relation? What do you know about her game at middle blocker? Well, for her, she she is she is from Hungary. It is Kirai. There is no, at least from what I've been told, there is no family ties uh, with, with, you know, the, the longtime great Karch Kirai. Uh, has had some, has had some, has had some health issues uh, throughout this spring into summer, we'll see how she is able to, you know, get up to speed and get fully recovered before the season starts. We'll see, you know, listed as a middle, did get some run. We'll, again, it's, it's kind of a wait and see for her coming into the season. Not that far away before Rainbow Wahine starts. It'll be on the road. Then we'll have a big tournament at home with UCLA, West Virginia, and more. Tip, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. I'm sure we'll talk again as the season approaches. Anytime, guys. Enjoy the afternoon. Mahalo plenty. Tiff Wells on ESPN Honolulu. Zephyr Insurance text line always open at 808-296-1420. For some reason, we're having a conversation about mayonnaise, and I think it's because John called us like a couple hours ago. He's like, mix up ketchup and mayonnaise and put it on a hot dog because it's National Hot Dog Day. He said it tastes really good. So there's a uh, the article at Epicurious, uh, 25 ways you should be using mayonnaise. They say slather mayonnaise on grilled cheese. That sounds actually good. I've never tried that. Uh, it's so bad for you, but it probably tastes so good. Uh, let's see. You can add, oh, sriracha and mayonnaise. I think that that's pretty common, right? Is it? Yeah. Uh, you can make a tomato sandwich with tomato and mayonnaise. 
Anyway, our uh, text line is open from our friends at Zephyr Insurance. And uh, let's go back. we got a lot of texts uh, today. Aloha, animals. It's great that the powers that be picked University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors to finish their last, finish last in the Mountain West Division. You know why? It reminds me when June Jones began his coaching career at UH at the beginning of the century. He went worst to first and then won the bowl game played here. So now UH and Coach Chang have motivation like June Jones to win the Mountain West. Thank you very much. By the way, Gary, what do you think of Jermichael? I'm guessing it's Jermichael Green right yeah. now in his career. I think it is another great signing by my other Warrior team, Golden State. What do you think? He fits in well because they lost Otto Porter, who signed with Toronto in the offseason. Otto Porter shot over 40% on threes last year. Jermichael Green, I saw, shoots 37% on threes. So it's not much of a drop-off, and Otto Porter was key. It's going to be a good bench play. What we've seen with Golden State, they pick up these players over the years, and they always fit in well to their system, to their attitude, to their culture. Even DeMarcus Cousins fit in well before he got hurt. So I think it's a pretty good signing for Golden State getting another outside shooter. Uh, Eddie texts in, uh, Zippy's Chili with Redondo hot dogs in your crock pot. He says that's the way to go. Oh, here's one. Aloha, guys. Best hot dog was from something Honolulu Stadium. The best hot dog at Honolulu Stadium. They had really good hot dogs there, huh? It's been so long, I don't remember. But anyway, thank you very much. Uh, We're talking about the... um, Hot dogs. I, I said that hot dogs are not a sandwich. Uh, we did get a text that says it is a sandwich. It's meat between two breads connected. <laughs> and then uh, the texter, I guess, uh, going on about the uh, All-Star game says uh, the National League doesn't care, I guess. Well, you get more money if you win. So there's a little bit of money there. But, again, I mean, I think it's just a fun game. And I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep because the NL lost yesterday. Yeah. Oh, uh, he just texted in, ketchup and mayo is like Burger King sauce on their burgers. Isn't that the secret sauce on Big Macs, too? Yeah. yeah. Isn't it just, it's mayo and ketchup, right? Yeah, I've, I've heard that many times. Mm. Okay. Which takes uh, away here... a little the appeal of it when you hear that. No, it's good. But you think it's something really unique and special and oh. just for McDonald's, and you find out anybody can do that. Well, because, I mean, it goes back to two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, onions on a sesame seed bun. You, you know, we start with, you know, the, the most important thing, the, 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 the burger itself. Two all-beef patties, the very next one before everything else, <laughs> special sauce. That's true. Lettuce, cheese, <laughs> onions on a sesame seed bun. Oh, man, that sounds good around now, doesn't it? Big yeah, Mac that, right now? Yeah, Give me some dog. Big Mac. <laughs> uh, okay, so this next one I cannot read. Ugh. What does it if start with? The biggest sports question yeah, that's today. A, I think if, a soccer question that we don't know the answer to. Oh, uh, okay, thank you very much. From your good friend. Nestor, I was thinking of the other pitcher that was mic'd up last night. Thank you for texting us in, Nestor Cortez, Yankees. He was great. Uh, let's see, here's one about basketball, Gary. Draymond only got heat because it was, we're talking about people swearing on national TV. I don't know how that came up. Gary probably brought it up. (laughs) Draymond got heat because it was right after his family said that the Boston fans were screaming, F you. Draymond was so offensive to his kids. Then his kid was up on his lap and used the same language, and it was okay. Oh, so in the press conference, 
we were talking about Draymond Green, you know, using foul language when his, like, little three-year-old kid was there. And then it was right after he was criticizing Boston fans for using that language. And then he used it in front of his kid. And then his kid uses the language, and it's okay. That's what the texture is saying, I believe. Well, I don't know what the Draymond kid Green's actually a silly, used silly man. Oh. But he, he, he did face the critic, and he was repeating what the Boston fans said, and even LeBron was talking about that recently with how vulgar they are, how racist they uh, are, according to him. But it was just because the kid was on his lap with Draymond repeating it that people did notice it, and some people criticized him. All right, I got to try this. This, I got to try this. Hot dog, instead of sauerkraut, hot dog with kimchi. Oh, that sounds good. I love You kimchi. know, at Coppola Golf Course, and their little snack shop there, the um, they they have spam musubi with kimchi. I haven't had it, but my friend Brad always makes sure he has one every time he's there. Got to get wow. the spam musubi with kimchi. That sounds good too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. Here's a serious question: How are the bowls going to work with all of this realignment? Thank you, Trey, for your text. Hopefully, you're still listening. How are the bowl games going to work now, Gary? Well, I mean, you're going to have the state. You're going to have tie-ins, automatic affiliations. So I guess he's talking about Texas, Oklahoma, and then UCLA, USC. What I would imagine right now is that they'll add a bowl game or two to those conferences, because if these teams are all over 500, you don't want to leave those four schools moving and eliminate a bowl. Well, not eliminate, but eliminate their chances because there's not enough bowls. Right, and the bowl game already had the Rose Bowl already is. It, see, the Rose Bowl is a Pac-12, Big Ten school. So now there, it would be somebody in the Big Ten and Stanford and Oregon or something like that, then Oregon State or somebody, right? What do you do if it's year one and it's USC, Oregon? Is that a good draw or a bad draw? Because do you want two Pac-12? Oh. Because, you know, USC's but see, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, the, the bowl committees wouldn't pick those teams. That's what I think, right? too. That's what I think. They yeah. probably would stay away from Un- that for a while. Unless... It's a, uh, a college football playoff game. Right. They have no then choice. Then you have no choice. Yeah, yeah. But then again, if it's a college football playoff game, everyone's going to watch because it's a college football playoff game. Right. And I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to get a team in anytime soon, to be honest, when it's four teams in. And that's what Craig Thompson did talk about earlier, too. He said he, he'd like to see 12. And he also said he'd like to see the 12 best. If the SEC gets seven, so be it, he said, which is mm. kind of interesting. I, I'd rather see every school get – I mean, every conference get a little representation if they expand the 12. Hey, here's one, and I didn't see this, and I brought up, you know, the Mountain West Conference, and I think I brought it up after this text. He says, Animals, what about Montana Grizzlies powerhouse FCS program? Talking about teams that I'm guessing they might join. Because that's what I was saying is, if you're the Mountain West Conference, forget about, you know, it's like trying to get Louisiana Monroe or somebody to join your conference, right? I mean, if you can get somebody like Texas State or UTEP, I think that would be good geographically. But anyway, if you can get... Montana, Montana State, South Dakota, and South Dakota State to join your conference. They all move up. I think that would that potentially could be really, really good. But I, uh, thank you for the text on that. And I wish it was based on that. But, again, if it's based on revenue and TV and money, I'm not sure what they would bring. I don't know how big their stadiums are or their TV markets. But football-wise, it would be a great addition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 808-296-1420. Uh, we did get one. Pickles Onions. That's what all the text says. <laughs> Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. I think I got the I, – I maybe had forgotten the pickles. 
I don't remember the pickles and onions being mentioned. Somebody saying yeah. relish too. Yeah, no, that's something else. That's I think that's else. relish going with the uh, the the hot dogs, the mayo Ketchup and the and mayo. see because it's a, and the secret sauce is the mayo. It's basically Thousand Island dressing. You got the mayo yeah. with the ketchup and a little pickly action going on too. But yeah, two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Okay, it is pickles, onions. Okay, this is right. not an advertisement for McDonald's or the Ronald McDonald House, but. More tomorrow morning on uh, Mountain West Conference uh, Media Days with Josh Pacheco and John Veneri. They have a plethora of star power uh, joining them on the show from Las Vegas. James, we didn't mention this. James Harden got a new deal with the 76ers. It includes a player option for 2023 and 24. So it guarantees him $33 million next season to not play defense. And then the opportunity to decline his $35 million option the next year after that. Not really talking about it. Is this a big deal or is this something it's, we expected? Well, we heard on Friday he was going to take a lot less money for the, from the 47 that he could have opted into. Hey, you uh. got to give him credit. Like him or not, he took a big discount so they could get guys like BJ, uh, P.J. Tucker and Daniel Howe, both with him in Houston. But from 47 to $33 million, again, say what wow. you want, but not too many people do that. So you got to give him some credit. He says, I just want to win a championship. That's all that's left for me. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're leaving $14 million on the table for others. For that's really year. cool. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? Just by doing that, they should say, okay, when you're washed up in 2025, we'll just give you some money to be on the team. You know I how they take care of Derek anyway. Jeter? Yeah. You know how they take care of Derek Jeter and some of these other guys? Right. It's like, ah, you know what? We'll, we'll take care of you later. But you got to give like credit that. for that. That is kind of cool. Maybe the best thing ever said about him, or at least in recent years. Yeah. Anyway, and, and it's at least it seems like he's at least coming out and going, I don't need the money. I got money. I want to win a championship. Now, that's what he's saying now, and he's he's proving it, though, right? But what happens next year if they don't give him the ball or something? Or, I don't know, he doesn't get along with somebody on the team. Is, are we going to be – is he going to go back to old James Harden? I would have said no three years ago, but today I can't say no because I think everybody's seen this movie where every year he wants to leave. So I wouldn't be – I mean, I hope it's not the case. I hate that in sports, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, wants out in a year from now. It just seems to be the trend for him. Yeah. All right. More, I guess, tomorrow on tomorrow's show on, um, you know, the NIL is getting so – we're getting some crazy NIL comments from coaches all around the media days going on. We've got a lot to cover with that. Oh, by the way, the XFL is going to be announcing their cities and stadiums on Sunday. I thought we already know where they're going to play, Gary. So did I, and I looked that up earlier today, and I think they have eight cities and like six stadiums already listed, so I don't get that relief. We know June's going to be in Seattle. We've heard that. And, again, they have this, so I don't understand that press release today about the big announcement coming up. Maybe a few stadiums haven't been announced. That's what I saw earlier. But it sounds like all the cities are on the, are on the table. That's crazy. According to Pro Football Talk, it says the cities and venues for the eight teams will be revealed. Maybe June isn't going to be in Seattle. Well, Maybe they just want you to think they were in Seattle. They already have a list of the teams that are going to be in St. Louis, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Dallas, New York, Tampa, Houston, and L.A. That was announced 
recently. It was announced again earlier this week, uh, two days, actually today, on NBC Pro Football Talk. Wait, no, no, no. That was in 2020. They had teams in St. Louis, Washington, Seattle, Dallas, New York, Tampa Bay, Houston, and L.A. So, but you like you said, June's like up in Seattle right now. Right. Right? He's I'm hanging sure with he's Pete actually, Carroll. Yeah. Oh, is he? I don't know. But we heard, he but, heard he's going to be the O.C. there. He's talked about it. I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. It would be pretty disappointing if they come out and they go, yeah, these are the cities we're in officially. Maybe it wasn't officially. Uh, maybe it was something else that June Jones wasn't supposed to say on the radio again. Okay. <laughs> here, yeah, here are the eight cities. Again, I had the wrong year. D.C., Orlando, San Antonio, St. Louis, Dallas, Houston, Las Vegas, and Seattle. And all but two stadiums have been announced. Las Vegas wow. Stadium and Orlando the, Stadium. Orlando and Seattle? Yes. Wow, I hope they don't have to play each other often. Yeah, that'd be a long trip. That'd be a long trip. Maybe they'll play all the games in Birmingham like the uh, uh, Hey, you know what they know, They mentioned on that, and I never noticed it until now, is that uh, ESPN Television, the mothership, what they, they will choose what they want to promote and not want to promote. They will not promote the Live Golf Tour. They will not. They did not promote promote NHL hockey when they didn't have the contract. You didn't even know hockey existed if you watched ESPN. And you notice it's the same thing with the USFL? Maybe because it's so lame, that's why they don't report on it. But they don't have word one about USFL or anything, on, on whether it's the scoreboards or first take, or Kornheiser in in the, the con, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, the USF. They probably got a memo. USFL does not exist. Can't talk enough Tebow, and the USFL doesn't exist. That's their motto. <laughs> That's crazy. They, I mean, they can. You don't want to. You don't want to. You know. You don't want to go against the mothership. Yeah. Because uh, now, hey, look at all the hockey coverage we got. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. I know. You're right. You're right. All right, so uh, we will be, let's see, tomorrow morning, uh, Pacheco and Veneri from Las Vegas, from the Mountain West Conference Days. Again, a plethora of star power appearing on the show tomorrow. Let's talk sports with Kanona Leahy at 12 noon. Then we'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 3 here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Enjoy National Hot Dog Day. Put some mayo on that sucker.